smell that fresh cut grass. Hello, everyone. Good Friday evening, everyone. Thanks for joining Way In Sports Talk tonight on a special night, special time. Uh, this is usually on campus with Cuervo on that being said with Sonny Clark's channel, but Sonny had another game to call tonight, so we're moving on campus with Cuervo to weigh-in sports talk tonight. I am Brian Tarvin, your host tonight, and Cuervo, the host of that, or excuse me, on campus with Cuervo, will be with us shortly. Uh, we're going to probably go about an hour tonight, not too long of a show, but we just couldn't miss this this weekend coming up. So many big games, and everybody thought week two was going to be a snoozer, and all of a sudden two ranked teams get upset. Uh, those games came out of nowhere, and I'm just looking forward to week three. And we're going to break down all of the top 25 games. We're going to go through and at least touch on them. Uh, the games we think are the most important, the most significant. And I'm sure Cuervo, when he gets on, he's going to be excited to, to talk about his Tennessee volunteers. And a big challenge to, to tomorrow night going up against Oregon on the road. You know, win, lose, or draw, this is this is not the end of the season for Tennessee. Their schedule starts getting a lot tougher starting with this game. But if Tennessee loses to Oregon, it's not the end of the world. And I want to get Cuervo's take on his Tennessee Volunteers going on their, uh, really the first competition they've played this season outside of Neyland Stadium. So a lot going on there. We'll also preview the game of the year so far. Texas A&M is at home playing the Alabama Crimson Tide. I mean, a revenge game for Alabama. This is a chance for, for Texas A&M to step up and be a legitimate national contender. If they lose this game, they're probably going to lose a few more. If they can win this game somehow, pull out a miracle, I mean, Texas A&M is for real, and you never know with Johnny Manziel what to expect. But I do know this. Texas A&M is getting a lot of starters back on the defensive side of the ball where they've been struggling the last two games they played against inferior competition. So just very interested to talk about those games. We have, you know, Auburn opening up their SEC schedule against Mississippi State tomorrow night in Jordan-Hare Stadium. We'll talk about that game. There's so much to talk about tonight. Ohio State gets a test at California, Louisville, Kentucky, there's some good games out there, but there's also some news going on in college football with Yahoo Sports broke a story yesterday, and, and on our show Sunday night, we're going to have uh, an expert from the Bleacher Report, actually an, an investigator, come on and discuss what's going on with the Alabama, Mississippi State, and Tennessee allegations to where they accepted money from an agent. So already one Tennessee player uh couch he he has been suspended for tomorrow or he's not playing he's ruled ineligible so if tennessee players already getting you know not been able to play this game what does that mean for alabama and actually the teeth of this story so if you're an alabama fan out there you do have to worry a little bit because you're winning national championships now if tennessee gets busted you know and they forfeit games it doesn't matter mississippi state has the forfeit games Nobody cares, but when you start losing national championships, that's when the attention starts uh, going to your program. So if you're Alabama, you have to worry about this. But if I'm an Alabama fan, all I'm worried about is that game in College Station tomorrow, really. That's, I mean, you lose that game t tomorrow because you're distracted about this, and then 
next week it comes out, oh, there's nothing to this, then it's just stupid. But it it just seems like more than not that these stories are breaking. We saw Oklahoma State, what's happening with them and, and how dirty their program is being alleged to be since Les Miles was there and now that Mike Gundy's there. I'm just not buying that story as much. There's still a lot to prove. He said, she said, and you always have to check the source. Who's the source of, of all these allegations? And it's usually a disgruntled uh, player that was kicked off the team. And, and we'll talk about this more in detail tonight. But the problem I have is if, if you're telling me drug use was rampant and you were kicked off the team for using drugs, then I'm just not buying your story that it was allowed on the team. So if it was allowed on the team, you would still be on the team or you would have been on the team without being kicked off. There's just so much going on, and, and I know we're not an NFL show, but we could talk a little bit of NFL tonight if, if Cuervo's in the mood and we get through this college. But we'll start out and, and, and talk about the coaches on the hot seat right now. And, and in my opinion, they've been on the hot seat for years, and, and now people are starting to talk about it. That is Lane Kiffin from Southern California and Matt Brown of Texas. I just really don't understand why they still have jobs right now at this point. Texas has done nothing since Vince Young left. They did make the national championship game against Alabama and got waxed, but they have no consistency on that team. Something happened, and it looks like to me, and I've seen I've seen coaches lose control of programs more than not, and I'm telling you, Mac Brown has lost control of his players. He's lost respect of his team, and, and when that happens, it's just a matter of time. The players quit playing hard for you. They quit responding to you because they don't even want you there anymore. So, Mac Brown, you're in trouble. You're on the hot seat. Lane Kiffin, you've been on the hot seat since you arrived at Southern Cal, and you've been a Band-Aid to Pete Carroll leaving, and that's all you were. Pete Carroll, he went out of the of USC. He had that program probably better than any team I've ever seen in college football almost in, a, in the state they were in. And, with the probation, he left, and Lane Kiffin was there just to keep recruiting going because they knew he was a good recruiter. He could BS with the best of them and lie to kids and get them there, but he can't coach. He can't develop. He can't hire. No no coaches are going to want to coach with this guy. They don't respect him. I would not work for someone that I didn't respect in that nature. So that's the problem. You get rid of your dad. You're trying to make it look like it's the defense's fault when it's not. It's the offense's fault. It's just the overall chemistry of the team. You lose to Georgia Tech in a bowl game. You finish six and seven, or, or whatever it was, uh, and you have a fight in the locker room after the game. So I don't know. Southern Cal's at home against Boston College, I believe, tomorrow. They're a thirteen and a half point favorite. I'm not buying the fact that that they're going to blow through this game at all. I think. You, I mean, they had 54 total yards of offense last week. Last week, 54 yards combined passing yards between their two quarterbacks against Washington State. I mean, come on now. I don't see that getting better with a week. There's not much you can do. 54 yards and you lose a Washington State team, a team that Auburn beat um, by seven points the first week, and I was disappointed with that performance Auburn had. So it doesn't make me feel that Auburn's better than Washington State beat Southern Cal. It just lets me know how bad off Southern Cal is, and and we're going to bring him on now, Mr. Cuervo, the host of On Campus with Cuervo. How's it going, bud? I'm good, Brian. Uh, I just got off of work, so uh, you know I'm ready to talk some college football with you. How you been? 
Oh, doing good, man. And it, it is it just me or does it seem like it's been a long time since we we played football last Saturday? Well, yeah, I mean, it, it's always going to feel that way. You just you're you're always anxious to to get into those next games. Well, I mean, but especially this week too, there's a lot of big headlines and everybody knows what they are and it's just kind of like, you know, let's let's just get to it. Kick that damn ball off already. Well, I was talking about coaches on the hot seat, and this is going to lead me into our, our first game, and I'm going to let you host it uh, if you would like to host. If you're driving, I'll host. That way, if you don't have anything in front of you. But Mac Brown, Cuervo, last week went to, to BYU, laid a big egg, got stomped by BYU, and now all of a sudden Mac Brown's on the hot seat. And, and to me, he's been on the hot seat for a long time. And Cuervo, I'm getting a, a lot of background noise. Can you check your phone? And I'm gonna check mine just to make sure. Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, it could be me because I am driving. Uh, just to let you know, so it could be me. Okay. Well, Mac Brown, Cuervo, he, he laid an egg last week. He fired his defensive coordinator uh, Diaz this week. So Ole Miss comes into town, Cuervo, and Ole Miss is a team that everybody's projected to to be a a dark horse this season. And in my opinion, Cuervo, if he loses this game, he could be fired Monday. But if you have trouble stopping BYU uh, and getting confused with their offense, how are you going to stop Ole Miss with that spread? It's gotten better since day one since he came over and take over, took over the program. Ole Miss looks very good on offense. Uh, they, I mean, they do, Tarvin. I mean, and, and I don't know how they're going to be able to stop it, especially, um, you know, they're they're going to be – I mean, the game is in Texas, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, however, I really don't think that's going to make a whole world of a difference. Um, you know, I don't think firing the defensive coordinator in reality was is going to make any big difference in how Texas season goes. So, with that being said, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, the problem could be Mac Brown himself. And, you know, we're going to find out because if Texas' defense lays an egg again and they give up a lot of yardage, then, uh, you know, we, we know what the true problem is. Well, it seems like vintage Mac Brown, when when it starts getting hot in Texas, he goes and fires somebody to keep the heat off him. And, and maybe that smart Cuervo, I look at it as cowardly, but this is a night game, an 8 p.m. Eastern kickoff in Texas. If you lose this game at home at night against a, a mid-tier SEC team, you're the favorite to win the Big 12 starting the season in a lot of people's minds, Cuervo. Do you think they'll wait till the end of the season to let Mac Brown go, or do you think they'll go ahead and make a change now and maybe promote somebody with them? Uh, what I think they'll probably do is they'll just announce in my opinion, I think they're just going to probably announce that, hey, Mac Brown's not coming back next year, and, uh, you know, this is who – they may not even name a successor. They may just say, hey, Mac Brown's not coming back next year, and, uh, you know, let him finish the season. Now, kind of similar to uh, what happened with Bobby Bowden, if I remember right. They kind of did the same thing with him. Well, Fisher was the coach of waiting, right? Uh, yeah, he was, and I think that's going to be the difference. Is I don't think they're going to have they're going to announce a coach awaiting because I mean, 
in reality, who are they gonna who are they gonna promote to head coach? I mean, do you think somebody like Major Applewhite is ready to take over this team? I don't know if he is, and, and I don't know if he'd be capable of doing it. No, not a chance. But what do you think's wrong with Texas? I mean, when you look at them, you've seen what they could do. I mean, since young days, I mean, Texas was a dominant team. And I just want to know, in your opinion, what has happened over the last few years? When we look at Texas, Cuervo, we see top five recruiting classes almost year in and year out. So, really, there's no excuse for I mean, it's not talent. I just want to know what you think of it. Well, Brian, I think the talent is there. It's just I think the coaching is not there. You know, it's the same thing I, I talk about with the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL is I just think that there came there came a point where Andy Reid in Philadelphia wasn't getting the most out of his players. And I think with just having a change in environment for for the you know, for the team, that's what's gonna I think that's what's gonna make the difference. And I think you get the same thing in Texas is you know the 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 talent level is not matching up with the with the uh, results. You know, I mean, you get top five recruiting classes, you should be competing for a national title just about every year, and it's not happening. So I think the the you know what it comes down to, Brian, is the the coaching is not getting the most. Um, they're not getting the most out of their players, and 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 you see the effects of it. Yeah, you know. Being an Auburn fan, I, I saw Auburn recruit well for years when Chiswick started coming in, and you saw a 3-9 and nine season last year. You just shook your head sometimes. And I'm not a Texas fan, so I'm not as close to it as I am Auburn. But I guarantee you, Cuervo, those kids on that team, they don't respect the coaching staff. And honestly, internally, they probably want Matt Brown gone. So you're not getting any development. You're not getting those guys to give that extra blood, sweat, and tears, really, to save a man's job. Because if you really cared about Mac Brown, you would play harder. You would tackle and do things like that. I just think Texas is making a huge mistake by letting this keep going on. Texas will not be. If you watch this past year, what they fall to finally number 20-something in recruiting. So if they have another bad year, Cuervo, with no changes, I don't even know if they're going to be a top 25 recruiting class. No, you're right, and and you know it's it, it's kind of surprising because you know how how the question comes up: How do you go from being one of the most you know respected, one of the most I, I guess from a player standpoint, one of the most loved coaches in Mac Brown to you know being a guy that nobody wants to play for anymore? I mean, how does that how does that truly happen? That that's the question I want to know. If if somebody can answer that for me, please let me know because I can't figure it out. How do you go from being a coach that people want to play for, like you said, to now it's, you know, the, the respect isn't there, uh, the effort is not there, and, you know, the, you know, you combine those two things, you know, no respect and no effort, it, it equals no wins, and, I mean, I'm not saying Texas is, you know, a three-win team, but what I am saying is they're not they're not winning as much as they should be, and that's a problem, especially in the state of Texas, where you know football is a big deal. So it's got to get fixed really, really quick. Well, 
Well, Cuervo, I think another thing I see that's wrong with Texas is Mac Brown, it just looks like he's lost his hunger. He doesn't look like a disciplinarian. And, and if you see successful coaches that, that are in programs, you see Nick Saban, you see Chip Kelly like he was at Oregon, and coaches like that, they're 100% engaged. They're involved in practices. They're involved in everything. That's their team. I just don't have a. I just have a feeling it's not Mac Brown's team. I just don't think the players look at it like that. I think he takes an approach like Bobby Bowden almost, where he he doesn't really he probably even know the players' names in a way. I think he leaves it up to the assistants too much, and they're not doing a good job. And I just think he's lost total control of that program. And so, give us your prediction tomorrow night. Is it Ole Miss going to pull the upset, or is Texas going to win at home? Texas is a three-point favorite. And, you know, what that tells you right there, Brian, is is the setting of this game. You know, we always bring it up either on on my show or on your show, Way in Sports, is just the, 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 the setting is it's made for Texas to win this football game. It's a night game at home, and we all know what happens in uh, home night games. Even if you are an underdog, sometimes – uh, you know, you're able to pull out the, the, you know, the upset. And in this case, I mean, according to the spread, it wouldn't be an upset. But I, I, you and I both know, Brian, that right now the better team is Ole Miss. So if Texas was somehow able to win this game, um, it would be considered an upset. And honestly, I think, I think it could happen. I, I really think, I think Texas could win this football game. Yeah, I think, you know, I always go against America, the percentages, and if, if if a lot of people are on one team too much, I'm going to get on the other one because, you know, most people are wrong, Cuervo, and, you know, there's only a small amount of people in the world that are rich that make money doing this, and it's not the it's not the one that think like the public. And so a lot of people are picking Ole Miss, and they see Texas as a dead dog, but, hey, there's pride in these players regardless. Of Mac Brown or not, they they can go out there and play. The, the crowd will be behind them. And, and again, Cuervo, these guys are uh, they're undefeated in the Big Twelve. I mean, there's still a lot of season left. They can turn it around. If this was late in the season and they were playing like this, I would pick Ole Miss. But because it's still early in the season, I like Texas Cuervo to win this game, and I think they'll win by about ten points. I just think Ole Miss's defense is the problem in this game. It's going to give them problems. I think Texas will be able to move the ball a little bit, but I think Texas's defense is what you have to watch out for. Yeah, very true. And I mean, they had they've had trouble. I mean, they had trouble against uh, who was the first game Vanderbilt, right? I mean, didn't Vanderbilt move the ball pretty well against Ole Miss, if I'm not mistaken? Um, they you know, did. They they were they they moved the ball real well against that Ole Miss defense. So, I mean. I haven't read up on it. Tucker, what's what's the status on on uh, Ash? What's what's going on with him? Well, I'm looking at at scores and odds right now, and I'll tell you. I think he's out. It does say that. Let's see. Hold on. I'm on the wrong one. I'm on Texas Tech. Sorry. It just uh, Texas. It says David Ash is out. David Ash will not mm. be played. Oof. That's rough. It it might that might be a good thing. You never know. It just gives you less to work with if you're Ole Miss to prepare. Did Ole, Ole Miss play the cupcake this past weekend? But Texas has some pride left in them. Hey, the over-under in this game, Cuervo, is 66. 
that's going to be a shootout. Is what Vegas is trying to tell us. Um, could you see a 38-35 Texas win, something like that? I could, yeah, and I think that's exactly what's going to happen. So, if you're feeling froggy and you want to bet the over/under on this game, I think you definitely have to go over. Yeah, I can't bet under with two teams that that can't tackle or play defense. So, and two fast-paced offenses as well. But we're both picking Texas in this game, Cuervo. I think we could have shocked some listeners out there that, you know, people like to listen to these shows before they place those bets on Saturday morning. And so don't don't be too shocked out there, guys. Cuervo and I, if we ever agree, it's usually right. So be careful before you place that bet tomorrow. And, and the next game I want to go to, Cuervo, and you, you take over when you want to, when you feel like you want to take over. Do you feel like taking over right now? I'll follow your lead on this. Uh, well, I just I just walked in the door, so um, if you want to cover the next game, then I will take okay. over after that. All right. Well, I'll just go ahead and, and get into Auburn. I mean, Auburn is at home tomorrow night, um, 7 o'clock Eastern kickoff, their first SEC game against Mississippi State. And everybody remember out there, Auburn went 0-8 in the SEC last year. They were beating Mississippi State in the third quarter, and the wheels came off, some turnovers, and Auburn lost by a couple of scores. So this is a big game for Auburn, Cuervo. I mean, this is going to really tell us how much improved Auburn is. I mean, they're already improved from last year, but if they can't beat Mississippi State at home in the night game, I think the SEC could have one or two wins this year you're looking at. (laughs) Well, I I don't think Auburn's going to have much of a problem, uh, Tarvin. I mean – I mean, if you're an Auburn fan, like as you are, um, you've got to be, you know, content. You've got to be happy with the way uh, Marshall has played quarterback for you guys so far. From what I've seen, he really hasn't uh, made a whole lot of mistakes. Now, if I'm way off on that, please let me know. But from what I've heard, he's played he's played pretty decent so far. He has, and the training wheels, Gus Malzahn did it with Cam Newton until he got in there and learned the playbook very well. He did a lot of running. You know, Nick Marshall has overthrown some passes and everything, but I think it's going to open up a lot more. Cuervo, you're right. He turned the ball over one time in two games, and he fumbled the other night. He got the, the ball came out of his hand without anybody touching it. So uh, I look for him to be more aggressive this game, at home especially, uh, Cam Newton was the same way. They kind of spoon-fed him, got him in there. But the good thing about Auburn, uh, Cuervo, is they have three top-notch running backs on that team that can roll. Three of the top ten rushers come out of Auburn right now in the SEC. So that's a good thing when you're playing SEC football. And even if your quarterback is struggling a little bit, if you have three backs that kind of can change the pace of the game, and we've got a bruiser, you have some speed, I think that's big. But the key tomorrow night to me is Auburn's defense. I mean, they, they're supposed to get two of their top three defensive players back. Cuervo, that haven't played all year yet. They've been practicing, but they haven't played. They're just keeping them out just in case. So I look for Auburn to win by at least ten points. They're a six-and-a-half-point favorite. Does that line concern you? No, it doesn't concern me at all. I mean, I, mean, I think the way – Auburn has played their first two games. Uh, it it, it kind of seems like they're starting to gain a good amount of momentum, and now they're at home against uh, you know an, a, a fellow SEC West opponent that they that they know very well. 
So, I mean, I, I think it adds up for a nice win for Auburn as long as, again, um, as long as they can take care of the football. That's To me, that's the key, especially when you have a first-year quarterback and, and a guy like Marshall who, um, you know, he is, is, is he is he a mobile-type guy? That's what I've been hearing. Is I mean, I haven't really seen a whole lot of highlights, but um, yeah. it sounds like he's one of those – you know, running type quarterbacks, kind of similar to what Newton was when he was in uh, at Auburn. But I mean, take care of the football. That's all you have to do. Well, if you're Nick Marshall. Take care of the football, and you're, you know, you're going to win the majority of your games. Talking about Nick Marshall compared to Cam, I'll compare him for you. What I see, I mean, the stronger arm goes to Nick Marshall. Uh, you know, the size, of course, goes to Cam, but. You know, Cam was – he could hit a hole, and once he got going, he could go. Nick Marshall is quicker. He's faster than Cam, but he's not as durable. He's not as big. So he can't he can't run the ball on third and three up the middle like Cam could and fall forward because the more beating he takes, the the more likely it is he's going to be injured. But but all these people out there that, that look at Auburn and ask me if they're improved, Cuervo, I'm, I'm saying, yes, ten times improved since last year. And one thing that I see the improvement, the main thing, is the attitudes of the players. If you watch that Washington State game and Arkansas State game, anytime something went wrong, those guys kept their heads up and they came out and they fought. And that's one thing you didn't see last year. You you go three and nine, you'll see you'll see one of the main reasons Cuervo is your guys have their head down or they're pouting or they're blaming somebody else. These guys are young, they're fast, they're physical, they're hungry. And, and one good thing about it, Cuervo, we, we're playing 12 defensive linemen. Now, that's if you think about that, that's crazy. Auburn rotates, and they play consistently the first two games, 12 defensive linemen, which that's going to be big. when It's going to pay huge dividends when they start getting into conference play because all these guys are going to have some experience under their belt. Yeah, and I think that's I think that's a very smart thing to do is, you know, Instead of having two really good linemen and, you know, the rest of them are average to below average, um, have, you know, have them, con- you know, constantly rotate now. And and at the same time, you're always having fresh, uh, you know, linemen in there to continue to put pressure on that quarterback. So um, I think I think that strategy really, you know, works out well, especially if you have, I mean, you got to have the depth, first of all. And it seems like Auburn does. So, you know, you have to take advantage of of what you have on your roster. And if Auburn is defensive, you know, D-line heavy, then, you know, why not do it? In my opinion, I mean, whatever you can do to get an advantage over your opponent, um, you know, it's all about wins in in college football. So, uh, I, I think I think Auburn should continue to do what they're doing, and and I and I fully expect them to win this game at least. I would say I would say you know I'm gonna I'm gonna up what you said. I'm gonna say a two touchdown win for Auburn. Yeah, I mean I, I'm with you. I I would be I want to win. Trust me, when you're three and nine and zero and eight in the SEC, a win's a win. But I want to see domination. I want to see putting the foot on the gas. And, and on their neck and not letting up on it. Gus Malzahn hates Dan Mullen. Dan Mullen hates Gus Malzahn. So it should be very interesting to see. And, and with these allegations with Mississippi State, I don't know if you've heard about that, with all the 
the agents paying the players, could that be a distraction for Mississippi State this weekend? I mean, I know they have nothing to lose. If they have to forfeit games, it's not going to really matter. No, but I mean, I, I don't think I don't think that they're really going to be bothered by it. To be honest with you, Brian. I mean, I'm sure you know Dan Mullen's probably like, hey, I mean, yeah, I'll just don't even don't just don't focus on it. Don't don't think about it. Don't focus on it. And um, and just go out there and play football. And uh, and I think that's that's what you have to do as a coach. You have to keep your team focused, no matter what distractions are going on. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's always tough. At the same time, you know, you got to find a way to make that happen. You're the head coach, and it's your job. Well, Cuervo, we, you know, we both have Auburn to win. Jonathan's on the line. If you're ready, you can take us to the next game. What's up, Jonathan? How are you? Uh, I'm good, guys. Sorry, uh, I'm a little late. I got really tuned into this Air Force Boise game. Oh yeah, it's a it's a thriller, isn't it? Seven seven. Right now in the first, Air Force is is moving the ball at will right now, Cuervo. Yeah, you know what? I I have yet to turn this game on. Let me go ahead and do that. Um, But it sounds like it's pretty exciting. I should probably go ahead and turn it on. Air Force hasn't attempted one pass. And and they probably won't. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't shock me, guys. Usually it's a big play. If Air Force passes the ball, it's usually a 40-yard game because everybody's surprised they throw. But if I have, if I remember correctly, their their quarterback's out, so they're probably letting this quarterback come in and get his feet wet a little bit, get him some momentum, get him some rhythm, and then he can throw a little bit. But I, I won't be surprised if a minute you see a deep pass down the field, probably on first down. Yeah, I mean, that's that's a good way to catch defense off guard. I mean, just keep running, 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 and one option pass, the whole defense sells out, you know, for the run. Uh, it's it's a smart strategy, but the running game's working right now, so I don't see why they would uh, try to go away from it. Well, Jonathan, we just talked about Auburn-Mississippi State. We gave our predictions, and we talked about Texas Ole Miss to start it off real quick. Who do you like in those two games? Um, I love Auburn against Mississippi State. I think Mississippi State's offense is just pitiful, and I, I think Auburn's going to be able to get it done. I like Ole Miss to beat Texas, and according to Vegas, that's an upset. And I just think, you know, Texas with, you know, news coming out that their athletic director's talking about quitting and things of that nature, this is a program in disarray. So I, I have full belief that Ole Miss is going to come in, upset Texas, and carry all that positive momentum into their bye week before they play Alabama. Or Auburn, isn't it? Doesn't Ole Miss play Auburn after their bye week? No, it's Alabama. Okay, I thought Auburn played LSU and then had a bye and then played. It might be Arkansas then. My best. Yeah, because Ole Miss gets. Texas, and they have a bye week, then they have Bama, then they have Auburn. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Cuervo, where are you going to take us, buddy? Um, I think the next game that we should talk about, guys, is um, how do you all feel about this Notre Dame-Purdue game? Is anybody interested in talking about that? 
That's going to be a blowout. Yeah, I don't care too much for uh, ugly blowouts. Purdue sucks. Notre Dame is better than Purdue. Purdue is going to win. I mean, Notre Dame's going to win. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's okay, you have to say, explain Donald. yourself. <laughs> a little bit of a Freudian slip. Well, okay. Well, I guess uh, I guess we're all pretty in agreement then that uh, Notre Dame Purdue is probably not worth talking too much about. Um, I'm just wondering, you know, about as far as this game, how does how does Notre Dame kind of uh, you know bounce back from losing to Michigan uh, the way they did? It was a good game, by the way. I mean, I thought I thought that game last week, Notre Dame Michigan, was a good one, but. Um, I mean, how do you how do you guys see Notre Dame bouncing back in this one? I mean, besides the fact that Purdue is not a very good football team, I mean, is there anything else that you you guys are uh, keeping an eye on? Maybe Tommy Reese, how he plays, or is there anything specific? Not to me. What about you, Jonathan? I, I just honestly, you know, Notre Dame's going to come out and they're going to be in, you know really mad after last week's loss. So I see them coming out and covering that 20-point spread and then some. I I mean, imagine how, you know, pissed off you are as a Notre Dame player after last week's loss. You're going to take your frustrations out on Purdue. Yeah, I think Notre Dame's going to come out and run the score up in this one. A lot of Notre Dame fans will be like, hey, they're back, we're back. But this is Purdue. Isn't this a team Cincinnati beat by, like, 40 points, 35 points, and we saw what Illinois did to Cincinnati. So I don't think Purdue is going to be any challenge whatsoever. I know it's in state, but Purdue has no talent, guys. They they can't match up with Notre Dame. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, the only thing I think Purdue has going for them is just the fact that it's a home game. But, <laughs> I mean, there's such a – there's such a um, – you know, it's such a lopsided thing as far as talent is concerned between both, uh, you know, between both teams. So I, I don't know. The all, I mean, just being a home game for Purdue would be the only reason I would think it would this game would even stay close. But uh, you guys are right. I mean, it, it's going to definitely be a blowout. So I just wanted to see what you guys had, you know, were thinking about as far as, um, as far as, you know, this game's concerned about Notre Dame bouncing back after that tough loss to Michigan last week. So, um, I guess, you know, what way better than to play Purdue? Hey, Cuervo, can I, can I stop you there for a second? Jonathan talked about Ole Miss's schedule real quick. I mean, can I give you those five games they play in a row just to make you scratch your head a little bit? I didn't realize the schedule was this tough. They're at Texas tomorrow night. They're at Alabama the 28th. They're at Auburn the 5th. They're home against Texas A&M, and then they're home against LSU. I don't think anybody has a five-game stretch that difficult. Do you, Cuervo? Heck no, Brian. That's brutal. I I had to bring that up. Wow, I had to bring that up. Yeah. I mean, that's why my preseason projections, I'm sitting there looking at Auburn. I mean, I'm looking at Ole Miss's schedule, and I go, really? This is the year I want to pick Ole Miss to look good? Because, I mean, they'll be lucky to come out with three wins. 
uh, out of that five-game stretch. It is just absolutely brutal. I I don't think there's a tougher stretch in the nation. I honestly don't see them winning a game in that stretch. No. Okay. I mean, out of all them, all, out of all those games you mentioned, the only home game is uh, LSU, right? You said you, Texas you said LSU. A&M. Yeah, they play Texas oh, oh. A&M and LSU. They beat oh, LSU. Hold on. I think they can beat Auburn. I think they can beat Texas A&M. Um, those two right there sandwiched together. But LSU, it's a bad matchup for them, but you never know. Alabama on the road. They should. They can beat Texas, too. I forgot about them. But those three games mm-hmm. that are winnable, Texas, Auburn, A&M, I just don't think they beat Alabama or LSU right now. But you never know. I think they get after LSU, especially after last year. Um, I mean, that's 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 always a great game. That's one of the beautiful things yeah. about Ole Miss LSU. It's always a fantastic game. Every year it's a classic, and I think this year Ole Miss finally trips LSU up. And you know everybody's high on LSU, but after watching Texas or Texas Christian last night, TCU, the way they looked, does that make y'all reconsider how good LSU is right now? Because I mean that Texas Tech look or Texas. TCU game looked good when they did it, but looking at Texas Tech shut these guys down, does that make you scratch your head, Cuervo? Well, I think it has to, Brian. I mean, um, you know, TCU is they, – they look a little overrated right now. I mean, uh, you know, Tech went in there and, and they, you know, went into that game and they pretty much owned – they owned TCU. So, uh, it, does, it does make TCU look a little overrated and it doesn't make LSU look as good as – People may think, and and that's probably why they have uh, LSU is what I think whatever they started out at I think twelfth or something like that. Um, I mean, there's probably a reason for it, and uh, you know, you want to talk. I mean, tough schedules. We were talking about tough schedules just a minute ago. I'm looking at my Tennessee Vol schedule, and if it wasn't <laughs> for that South Alabama game right in the middle of it, they have a pretty tough. Uh, five-game stretch, too. Uh, of course, you know, we'll talk about Oregon a bit a little bit later. They play at Oregon tomorrow. They're, they go to the Swamp next week. They get a break against Southern uh, South Alabama. Then they have to play Georgia, South Carolina, and Alabama three weeks in a row. So that's going to be yeah. tough to handle as well. That's just ain't right. Yeah, at Oregon, <laughs> that's, that's at Florida. Right. Wow, Georgia, South Carolina, Bama, Auburn. And even Vanderbilt's not that bad. So y'all, I mean, Kentucky's a, a guaranteed win. Missouri, probably. You never know. South Alabama. So man, that's 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 death row right there, guys. I mean, it all depends on that Oregon game tomorrow too. And I don't know when you want to talk about that, Cuervo, but Tennessee's a twenty-eight and a half point dog tomorrow. Wow. Okay. I, I mean, I think Oregon's good. But do to be a twenty-eight point favorite? That's a lot. I, I think they cover. That. I think they cover. So you think Oregon know, covers? Mean, yeah, I sure hope not. It's, it's, it's just the way Oregon, the way they play. I mean, the way they just turn it up and they don't really quit. That's probably why that line's like that. But Oregon's going to be tough to stop. I mean, here's the deal. Nobody knows what Tennessee has, Cuervo. If you look at people's minds throughout the country when they're looking at it, they don't really know 
what Tennessee has. Unless you're a true Tennessee fan like yourself, you really don't know what these guys look like. And I think it's a lot of that line is based on the public, what they think, but a lot of it's also based on that Oregon's probably better this year than they've ever been. Yeah. Yeah, and not and not just that, guys, but, I mean, <laughs> we don't really – I'm a Tennessee fan, and I still don't know how good this team can truly be this year. I mean, Austin P in Western in West Kentucky, I mean – I, I I don't I don't really have a lot of of uh, you know in, info. I really don't know how good they are because no offense to those two those two programs. However, they're not they're not they're not exactly you know strong in my opinion. So I really don't know how good Tennessee can be because they haven't played you know. And, and, they haven't played anybody that's close to their level of competition yet, so um, I think I think Tennessee goes to Oregon, and it's it's going to be a it's going to be a shock for them. It, it really is. They're going to be like, whoa, we went from you know playing these two games to playing against Oregon. So Tennessee's going to have to they're going to have to avoid that that shock, and as far as change of competition is concerned, the level of competition. Yeah, I agree. Um, you know, I, I, Oregon we saw last week not you know unbeatable. I mean, Virginia really seemed to slow Oregon down in the first half, and then Oregon just put you know the pedal to the floor in the second half. I think, you know, when we look at Oregon, it's just so much speed. And the last time these two teams played was in Neyland Stadium when uh. Kiffin was still the coach of Tennessee, and it was a close game. And then all of a sudden, Oregon just blew the doors off of them after a Michael James Palmer turn for a touchdown. So it's going to be interesting to see if Tennessee can even keep it that close before Tennessee blows, I mean, before Oregon blows up on them, or if Oregon is that much more dominant. Cause let's face it, Oregon's not going to pull Western Kentucky and hand you the ball five times in six plays. No, Oregon doesn't give out gifts like that. No, they don't, and that's what I'm saying, Jonathan. Is just the the level of competition going from you know Austin P and Western Kentucky to Oregon. It's gonna be it's gonna be like a shock for Tennessee, and I just hope they're able to handle uh, the initial shock and, and and get back in the game. And you know another thing too, like you said, I mean the game was the game was close. I still remember that game. Uh, you know, Tennessee kept it really close in the first half, and then, you know, Oregon just turned it on in the second half. And and I'm afraid that that's, you know, that's exactly what's going to happen tomorrow because, you know, the, the biggest problem I've had, and I've talked about this with Tarvin before, is Tennessee will will stay with the team in the first half. And then come second half, they just tend to, they, they can, they, they tend to just fold. Um, like the Florida game last year. Oh my God! Let's not even talk. Let's not even go there, Jonathan. That that game made me sick to my stomach. It made me so sick to my stomach. I could not believe how they blew. They they were winning that game at halftime last year, and mm-hmm. they just completely let it go in the second half. And I was like, I've got. I've I've had enough with this bully guy because 
that was a lot of those type of losses were under Derek Dooley and Butch mm-hmm. Jones. He don't seem like he plays around. So I, I think I think you're going to get a full four quarters from Tennessee tomorrow, even if they are losing by 20 points or whatever. They're just not going to, mm-hmm. you know, wave the white flag and say, "Oh, let's just get ready for Florida next week, guys." Right. Yeah, I agree. And and the thing that concerns me, guys, about this game for Tennessee is, I mean, I don't think the environment's going to throw them off a lot because they they do play in the SEC and they have one of the biggest stadiums in the country. I think it's the mm-hmm. offense of Tennessee. How are they going to be able to throw the ball? That's what I worry about. Is Worley going to be able to go into a hostile environment and move Tennessee up and down the field? Because I, I think Tennessee's going to be able to run if they can throw, and Oregon's going to come in and try to shut down Tennessee's run force Worley to throw the ball, hopefully get him into mistakes. If they're, if you're Oregon, you want him to throw some picks early and get him rattled. So so the game plan to me, Cuervo, is if you're Tennessee, you have to come out extending the ball, going vertically down the field in order to soften mm-hmm. Oregon's aggressive defense up. And can he do it, Cuervo? Uh, I, you know, Tarvin, I think he can. But I, I do disagree a little bit with, what you were saying about getting vertical, I think I think they just need to nickel and dime Oregon. As long as you keep that offense off the field, nickel and dime those guys. And if you only wind up with three points, then, you know what I mean? It, it, it's, it, it's, it's all about time of possession, I think, in this game. You, you have to start, the, start this game off um, just nickel and dime in this, this Oregon defense and, and – do whatever you can to get the ball in the end zone. I, I know, hey, points for points, but you would prefer six over a team like Oregon. Um, but I, I think I think that's what the I think that's what Tennessee needs to do. If the, if it's going to come down to Worley, then don't ask him to try to be Peyton Manning and, and throw uh, sixty yard touchdowns because it's not going to happen. So I think they just need to play the short game. Play the short game. Uh, get first downs, keep that offense off the field, and and uh, do whatever you can to get get the ball in the end zone when, when you're within the 20s. Well, we saw Virginia last week. The most successful, when, when their offense was really moving the ball, was when they were running. Uh, their running backs were finding lanes and getting big chunks of yardage. It was when they went to the air is when that offense, uh, you know, lost momentum. So I think what, you know, Tennessee needs to do is, you know, get those linemen and, and just say, you know, get ready to pound the rock. I mean, if I was Tennessee, if I'm Butch Jones, I'm saying we're running the ball 50 times. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. We're running the ball 50 times. And we also saw last week, time of possession doesn't matter. Virginia won the time of possession battle uh, by, I think, 15 minutes last week and lost by 49 points. Oregon doesn't care about time of possession. Right, they're looking to score in 30 seconds unless you have the ball for six minutes so they can score in 30 seconds again. And that's how this offense seems to work. So I think if I'm Tennessee, I'm running the football because Oregon's proven that they're, uh, yeah, they have some trouble with it. And I think Tennessee's much better up front than Virginia, so they should have much more success running the football. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. Yeah, and, I, and you make a good point, Jonathan. I mean, the, I watched that game, and you're right. I mean, you know, Virginia was eating up, you know, six, seven minutes at a time every possession, and you blink your eyes, and 
Oregon's put six points on the board, and you're like, what the hell just happened? So mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, you're right. And just the problem with Virginia was that they couldn't get points on the board. And, I, you know, mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, Tennessee's just they – got, they got to actually get the ball in the end zone. That's – to me, that's the difference. And, um, you know, do what you can to slow this offense down. And you know what? And you're not going to stop them. You just got to hope to contain them because you're not going to stop them. So they might as well right. get that out of their head now. Right. I mean, no, you're right. And Oregon's defense, let's not try to fool ourselves, is built for, you know, for for uh, the Pac-12 style offenses, which are really just throw, throw, throw the ball, which is why Oregon has a tough time against a team like Stanford because Stanford's not built to throw. They're built for a power running game. So, you know, like, you know, not to beat a dead horse, but I think Tennessee needs to run the ball. They need to feed the running back's name is Rajon Neal. They need to feed him the ball 30 times, you know. And trust me, he'll look like Arian Foster out there against this Oregon defense, which is undersized. Yeah, and the offensive yeah. line of Tennessee is the strength of that team. So I think if you start early, get Oregon off balance, and then you can run the ball, Tennessee could take control of this game, guys, if they – if they can control, run the ball, and move that, move the chains, and eat five minutes off the clock on their drives. I mean, this could really put pressure on Oregon. I've seen a lot of times where teams that are used to the fast pace, fast score, you keep them on that sideline for five or ten minutes. Sometimes you think TV timeouts, everything. Those guys can get very impatient, and that can lead mm-hmm. to some big problems with Oregon. So I'm excited to see this game. I'm with Coach Jones. If it was Dooley there. I wouldn't even watch it because I probably would know what would happen. But because Coach Jones is there, I want to see how he takes this team into battle. Um, I'm excited. Yeah, I am too, guys. I mean, I just, you know, and that, and that's to me. I mean, that this game is going to let me know everything I need to know about where Butch Jones is at as far as the coach being the coach of this football team. Now I know it's only the third game with him as Tennessee's coach, but what kind of tone has he set as the Tennessee head coach? We're going to find out a lot about the type of tone he has set in this game, excuse me, against Oregon tomorrow. And it'll let us know where we stand against Florida, where are we going to stand against Alabama, where are we going to stand against South Carolina and Georgia. You know, so I'm, you know, I don't, I'm a realist guy. I don't expect, Tennessee to win this game, but as long as as long as they you know they stay competitive and they, they continue to put effort, you know it's just like we were just talking about Jonathan and I with that Tennessee Florida game last year. I was more impressed with the way they lost to Georgia last year because I felt like they put more effort into that game as a whole compared to that Florida game. So as long as they can show the effort, even if they lose. You know, it is what it is. Oregon's a great team. But I think Tennessee just needs to not wave the white flag and, and, you know, just kind of tuck their their tail. As long as they don't do that, then I'm okay with them losing to Oregon is what I'm saying. Yeah, it's a long season, and it's not an SEC game. I mean, if you you stay competitive with Oregon, say you lose by 10 points and and it's a hardball game, and then you come on the road and beat Florida – which I can see. I mean, that's huge. I mean, you start off three and one, you're one and zero in the SEC. That's really all that matters at this point. 
Right, and I mean, I've told you before, guys, I mean, Tennessee can go 1-11. As long as that one win is against Florida, then I can honestly say I'm happy. That's the same way I feel about Alabama, man. Yeah, and I'm sure, and I'm sure Jonathan feels the same way. Uh, you know about when Florida State played Florida, or when they play when when they, when they used to play Miami. Uh, they just play Miami. Huh? We play Miami every year. No, no. I was, if Florida State oh. goes two and ten, I'll be I'll be beyond ballistic. But if we beat Miami and Florida and go two and ten, I won't be as mad. I'll tell you what, I, I was on suicide watch last year going 3-9 and nine and losing to Alabama by 49, losing to Georgia by 35, losing to the teams you hate the most and you suck. That's a bad feeling, guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. Well, well, Air Force just hit Boise deep uh, on a play-action pass. So we, we called it, and it was wide open. So Air Force is down 14-10 uh, to 10 right now, but they are close to scoring. So we'll keep you updated on that game. Yep. Oh yeah, they're they're like on the what? What is that? Seven, eight yard line? Eight yep. yard line. And if you look, by the way, Boise State's touchdown, their last touchdown, the run it not only did the running back step out of bounds, but the block he got to get into the end zone was a block in the back. Talk about a real miss by the refs. And these refs suck, uh, dude. That's why they're calling on Friday night in this conference. <laughs> I tell you what, the the referees in Texas, high school officials in Texas are better than these college officials in the WAC, whatever the hell conference they're in right now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't even know what conference this is anymore. I just know it's Air Force and Boise State. The Mountain West Conference. The one that Utah and TCU were in. Hmm, okay. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, it's the, it's it's the, I guess it's not the Big East anymore, but it's the AAC. If they're a BTS conference, I guess this one should be too. <laughs> right. I, I think this one should get the AAC's bid. I, yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I would I would take Air Force, Boise, Fresno State, Hawaii over Memphis, USF, Florida Atlantic, and Florida International any day. Oh, definitely. First and goal, Air Force is on the one. Uh, they just got stuffed at the one. This is can get concerning when you're down here about to score this close. Can they get in right now running the football? We'll see. I think they will. I think the touchdown's coming on second down. So, Cuervo, you're the leader. Take us where you want us to go, sir. Will do. Will do. Um, let's see here. I. I'm looking at the uh, Washington-Illinois game, and the only reason I'm looking at that game is because Illinois, the way they looked last week against um, against uh, Cincinnati, it, it kind of – I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I was a little surprised at how the Illini played against Cincinnati last, last week. Um, mm-hmm. Now they got Washington coming in, and uh, you know, I mean, Washington 19th ranked in, in the country, and this game is played – uh, right by the lakefront in Soldier Field, so that's that's going to be uh, that's going to be a good game to watch. 
but I mean, guys, I mean, when you, when you look at this one, I mean, how impressed should people be with Illinois so far? Two and zero wins, like I said, over uh, Cincinnati and who was the other win? Oh, Southern Illinois, which I mean, that's not really saying a whole lot, but still, an impressive win over the Bearcats. A Tommy Tuberville coached Bearcats. I mean, what are your thoughts on Illinois so far? Well, I'm um, impressed with the Cincinnati win, but I, I mean, I was very unimpressed with how many yards and points they gave up to Southern Illinois. I, I think Washington does to Illinois what Cincinnati was supposed to do to Illinois this this week. You got to remember, Washington held held Boise to six points and just dominated them thirty-eight to six. I don't know about you, Jonathan, but I think this game could get ugly. I know the point spread's only ten, but I look for Washington to win big on the road. Yeah, I mean, Keith Price, Bishop Sankey, um, that's a hell of a one-two punch. I think Washington rolls Illinois, and I, I just want to let it be known, I, I am really mad at Cincinnati right now. So, <laughs> I, you know. Oh, I am. I am Cincinnati and Me Oklahoma too. State. Oh, my God. Me Oklahoma too. State. <laughs> I see. All right, here's Oklahoma State. Here's what all Oklahoma State. And the spread's covered, and I mean covered. All right, the spread's 26 and a half. All they have to do is sit on it for 15 minutes. Maybe score a couple touchdowns, give up a couple touchdowns. I'm fine. You, they gave up four touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Give up 28 points, including some fluke 50 order with like 50 seconds left. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, woo, parlay, oh, parlay. I mean, I hate Cincinnati and I hate Oklahoma State. I hate them both now. Well, when, when you take when you take teams like Oklahoma State that are big favorites like that, and I hate taking them, and I did too, Jonathan, by the way. I did the same thing you did on that one. Uh, they can't play defense, and they give up. Who was that, San Antonio? Whoever they were yeah, playing. Yeah, the road crap team. Cuervo, the road I mean, uh, Oklahoma State favored 28 over anybody. You have to be careful over those small teams because, I mean, they they thrash Oklahoma State's defense. And those garbage time, garbage points that just drive you crazy when you take somebody like Oklahoma State. I'll never take them again or Cincinnati. Oh, never. Ever. Ever. Oh, and never. Arizona favored by 26 over, San, over uh, Texas San Antonio this week. I looked at it and go, nope, not about it. Forget it. Not even thinking about it. <laughs> well, guys, didn't you hear? Didn't you hear? I'll tell you what the problem is with Oklahoma State. They were out. They were out the night before, uh, just having themselves a good old time. You know, um, they're probably <laughs> a little a little wore out from uh, some activities that they might have been doing with the opposite sex. I don't know. I'm just saying. The hostesses. Guys, I, I the mean, host- I don't know for sure hostesses. if that's what's going on, but. It's it's a possibility. Then I'll take some of those hostesses right now. Well. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, I'll be wore out for work tomorrow if that's why I'm wore out. Damn. Well, ain't that something? And, and <laughs> it goes back to even when Les Miles was the coach there. That's a long time. That's a long time ago. 
Right, but these players that came out as Tatum Bell and Russell Okung and NFL or former NFL players who were there during this pointed out was the guys who are the whistleblowers are getting their facts wrong. They're also the guys that couldn't stay out of trouble with the law, the guys who couldn't stay out of trouble in the classroom, whether it was not showing up or there was failing classes, and they couldn't pass their drug test. So this rampant drug use was by a bunch of guys that were suspended for rampant drug use. I think Oklahoma State, at the end of the day, walked away clean because all the whistleblowers have no credibility. Well, I guess when you when you blow the whistle, you better you better back it up, right? I mean, that's basically mm-hmm. what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean, one of the guys said he had a class with Tatum Bell in 2004. The problem with uh-huh. that was Tatum Bell was drafted in 2003. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> well, same thing, thing with the Auburn HBO 4 where those guys were disgruntled. They were didn't make the NFL. They didn't like the coaches. They come out saying all this stuff about Auburn. It's all about credibility. And that's why I tell people about be a man of your word, be a man of integrity, because nobody believes you. If you're not, and that's the same thing with, I don't think anything's going to come out of this Oklahoma State stuff. You can't prove what they're trying to do. But if you look over at the SEC right now, Mississippi State, Alabama, and Tennessee, uh, you can prove this stuff. It's already proven. And the fact that Tennessee's already has one player that's on the team now not going to play tomorrow because of this, I'm worried if I'm an Alabama, Mississippi State fan right now. I'm sorry. I saw the, I saw that report. And I thought it was the greatest thing ever when they were like, oh, and here's all the information to back it up. Like, oh, my gosh. Somebody actually, like, did their homework and made sure they were covered on the back end because it was a bunch of agents. And we all know what probably happened was these agents were giving the players money with the guarantee that those players had signed with them, didn't sign with them, so the agents could have burned them. And I don't blame the agents for that. I actually applaud them for this. But my problem becomes these agents should be in trouble now, too. I mean, these agents should be suspended for a year from the NFL or something because, let's face it, they're just as guilty as the players. Sure. Yeah, I'm looking at what you guys are talking about now with Tennessee. Uh, Maurice Couch, uh, defensive lineman, $1,350 in improper payments. And all he has to say is, I'm sorry, jackass. Get off the damn team. Just go away. Just go away. Don't show your face. How about that? Well, I mean, Corbo, think of it this way. If, you know, the NCAA decides to come down hard on Tennessee over this, what championships are they going to vacate? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, be glad you're not Bama. DJ Fluker's in this. Be glad you're not Bama. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, you're right. Bama's hammered over this, guys. I'm telling you right now. Oh, yeah. I'm talking about, you know, one thing nobody's talking about, guys, about Alabama is they were on probation when all of this is going on. And and it's not mm-hmm. just Fluker right here, guys. If you're paying Fluker and he's getting money and he's probably the 50th best player that's come out of Alabama this time, they're going to find other things, I'm telling you. It's not going to be this fluker that, that crucifies Alabama. It's going to be several other things. And 
Ah, I'm telling you, if you're an Alabama oh, yeah. fan, I'm going to church every day and I'm praying five hours a day at least. God, don't take these <laughs> national championships away. God, please don't take these national championships away. Well, I mean, because if they take them away, then Alabama, I mean, you got to have them start doing subtraction. We all know Alabama fans can't do math. I mean, they can add, what you know, plus one. We used to start telling them what's minus two, and they get confused. Well, they'll, they'll, they'll probably add two for everyone taken away, so all of a sudden they'll have about 30. And they're fine. But, hey, I'll, I'll, guys... all I'm going to tell you is this. Is, is the last two years, Auburn won that Iron Bowl then. That's what I'm going to tell them. 2011 and 12, Auburn's going to keep the streak going. <laughs> oh, that's there great. you go. Hey, I, I know I know forty nine nothing, but but if Alabama hadn't paid Fluker like they did, Auburn would have pulled the upset in Tuscaloosa last year. Mark it down. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, it's sure. adorable. That's so good. Yeah, it's scary. It's scary, Cuervo. It's scary when your team's on. You know, like when Cam Newton happens. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I was scared to death. I'm like, finally, we're good. We're about to get raped here by the NCAA over something. And luckily, a good, a good lawyer saved Auburn's national championship that year. But I have to be honest with you. I was scared. Well, and a good lawyer saved Manziel Heisman. Same lawyer, actually. Yep. Mm-hmm. If I ever get in trouble, I'm calling him. I'm calling Mark Romero. Yeah, he's he's the SEC savior, guys. That's what he is. He is. But uh, yeah, I'm looking at this. I mean, Fluke. I see Fluker's name. I see Tyler Bray's name. Uh, for mm-hmm. you know, last Tennessee, Tennessee's quarterback from last year. Uh, defensive tackle Fletcher Cox. I think he went to he went to uh, Philadelphia, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he's a first round pick. And Mississippi State just got in trouble with the NCAA. Yeah. Right. And then Chad Bumpus is on that list, and Chad Bumpus was the receiver who got all the press from Mississippi State because he can't control what he tweets. He tweets the dumbest things. He really recruits. Don't follow the money. Follow your heart. That's where I made a mistake. What? (laughs) Come again? Did you literally just come out on Twitter and say you got paid to go to Mississippi State? Can you be that stupid? And then he wonders why nobody crashed them. How about Fluker's tweet? Yeah, I got paid while I was in college by agents. I had to do what I had to do, and then a minute later it's deleted, but he was hacked. He was hacked, and he realized he was hacked, and he had time to look at it, realized he was hacked, and delete it. Yeah, I'm buying that story. Yeah, yeah, his account's been hacked like every other day, right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are so dumb. They, They are so dumb. Learn to control your social media, or better yet, I don't know. Hire somebody to control it for you. I mean, let's be well, honest. With a lot of professional athletes, they don't control their own Twitter. Like well, Donovan here's the deal. Fluker can't spell. So how are you going to hack someone's account when you can't even spell? You're not going to make up these crazy words. He can't spell anyway. So how are you going to hack them? <laughs> I was like, it's, like, it's like if I'm spelling moon, M-U-U-N or something. I mean, that's what he would spell it like. So how is somebody going to know your password or, or think of it? So he's full of crap. <laughs> Well, his password was probably password. Yeah. Or one, Could two, be. three. <laughs> well, it, was, uh, it, was roll, it was roll tide, guys. It was roll tide. 
I mean, I'm pretty sure I could probably hack into his account right now, and it wouldn't take me too much to do it. No, it's just, it, it's just a bunch of dollar signs. You just have to figure out how many dollar signs it takes to 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 get the you know the password correct. It's just, it's <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, fun times, fun times tonight. Um, can't you can take the <laughs> you can take the hood right out the ghetto, but you can't take the ghetto out the hood right. There you go. Jonathan Jonathan's on it. He's on it. He and then exactly I listen to Jamise Winston do a press conference, and I just cover my – I do a full face palm, and I go, somebody teach him how to speak, please. Do they not teach these guys how to speak English in Alabama? <laughs> I mean, I'm dead honest. Jamise Winston's from Hueytown. you got a bunch of other Crimson Tide players from Alabama. They can't speak a lick of English. Is that like a foreign language? I mean, Tarvin, you're from Alabama. Maybe you can explain to me. Well, I mean, you, you, see, you see, you see how eloquently I speak, right? I mean, oh yeah, wonderfully. I don't know, but I, I, I don't know. I think they get these guys, and like I'm saying, it doesn't matter. They just get them. You put them in school. But the number one thing is, if you're, if I'm Alabama, if I'm Auburn, you do not speak to the media unless I give you, unless you pass this class on public speaking. And and all this this English class you take it and you master it you do not get on TV or in front of any kind of camera because Michael Dyer I don't know if y'all remember him winning the championship the MVP oh God I didn't the word he said I had no idea to just say what he said it was like I'm like okay we won a championship War Eagle I still don't know what he said yeah I I mean. It happens all the time, too. I, you know, it's funny because at Florida State, we have work done. We have Deion Sanders. You have Derek Brooks. Le- Leroy Butler. These are all guys who are, like, in the media and have public speaking for them. Peter Ward. And then you get those occasional nose tackles. For some reason, it's always the sense of lineman for us. Like Jacoby McDaniel, who you think he is speaking Arabic or something. I, I mean, you need a deciphering code to understand what he is saying. It is just beyond my realm. Of con- I, I can't understand it. Go down to Pahokia Mockley for the muck bowl and try to understand anything those players are saying. I, I dare you. I would bet $100 that you could not tell me every word spoken during that game. Hey, you, you remember the water boy? That coach was the name, Coach Fran? <laughs> 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 you remember? You remember him? Do you remember on the water boy where he was like? Yeah. That's how it sounds a lot to me. That's how I look at it. I, yeah. Farmer friend. They call him Farmer friend. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that movie's a classic. <laughs> oh jeez. That reminds me of a story, guys, and I'll and I'll make it really quick. I mean, this is. This is uh, one of those uh, welcome to the South type stories. So my wife is from L.A., right? She's from Los Angeles, California. Never never even thought that Tennessee was a state or anything. All she knows is California. So <laughs> my mom, living in Knoxville at the time, uh, we, we, uh, we went to go visit her for the first time ever. And at the time... Um, it was, that was in the the, the 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 time period that I had actually gotten out of the military for a little while. So, um, 
Didn't have a lot of money. Like I said, long story short, we took the Greyhound from California all the way to Tennessee. And I swear, my wife met that guy on the bus. He was from Kentucky, sitting next to her. I wasn't sitting next to her. I was sitting, like, behind her. And, uh, you know, he was just like, and it was it was the funniest thing because my wife was freaking out. She was like, I don't know what he's saying. I don't know what he's talking about. This guy's going to, you know, he's creeping me out. But I just went with it. I was like, try to just – you didn't hear what he said? And I was playing along with it, and I was like, oh, yeah, he was talking about whatever, and I was just making some stuff up. And she was like, how do you understand him? And I'm like, well, I used to live in the South, so I know what he's saying. But I, I really didn't know a word that he was saying. But I just thought it was funny because my wife was freaking out about the way that he was talking because she had never been to the South before, so it was all new to her. And it just it was just funny the way she was reacting, so – um, you know, just something I wanted to kind of just throw out there about people that have never talked to anybody in the South or anything like that. So I, I tease her about it once in a while. Well, I, think about this, guys. I lived in Key West for a year. One year. It was a fun year, but it was a year. And I'd say the first couple weeks I was in Key West, you guys hear you, you hear the way I, I speak, and you hear you know what little accent that comes out every once in a while. Whatever. People down there considered me the most southern hick they'd ever seen. Think about that for a second. Imagine Farmer Fran, and that's what they thought <laughs> I was. I'm dead honest. Anytime a little bit of an accent creeped out. They, like, tilt their head to the side like a dog and just do a whole, what are you saying? I don't understand what y'all means. What is y'all? <laughs> yeah, I, I, went, I went out to California to see a client, and uh, man, it was, um, they, they, they loved my accent, especially the women. They loved it. You know, they were like, oh, we love this guy. Because, you know, you sound like a, a redneck when you're around people that, they don't speak your language, especially when you're the only one. So, yeah, Jonathan, I can, I can, I can see how you'd be a redneck, sound like one. I, you know, <laughs> when I pulled on the can of Copenhagen, they all looked at me and go, where are you from, Alabama? I'm like, no, I'm from Tampa. <laughs> you. Jeez. So, so Cuervo, do, Cuervo, do people from out in California that they dip skull and and chew tobacco and stuff? Not really. No, not really. Um, I, I didn't really. I didn't get introduced to even in even living in Tennessee. I really didn't know about it until I joined the military. Like that's when I really started to see like people chewing tobacco and, and dipping and stuff like that. So. Um, wow! No, people in California don't do that. They don't. They don't do that stuff out there. Wow! Okay. I was just curious about that. So Cuervo, I know we're off topic. We apologize for you and everything. Way off. Do you? So, so put us back in line. Put us back in gear here. Where are we going to go next? Give us an exciting game. Okay, I got you guys. I'm going to give you one of the most exciting games. Of the week, and where is it at? It is going to be. Um, where is it? <sighs> Troy against College Station. State. Oh no, wait, they play that one already. Never mind. Uh, Wisconsin <laughs> an exciting State. game. <laughs> no, 
No, um, you know, I, I think only because they're both ranked, I think, uh, you know, UCLA-Nebraska could be an interesting game, guys. Um, I know it doesn't really excite us to death because we're we're SEC slash ACC guys, but I mean I think this could be I think this could wind up being a pretty decent game to watch. Oh, definitely. Uh, I'm confused so. on that game, Jonathan. I'm confused on you know the spreads. Weird. Nebraska's favorite now it's dropped to three, but if you watch mm-hmm. what UCLA did to them. Uh, their quarterback's amazing. I mean, I've seen Nebraska's defense. So why is Nebraska favored in this game? It's almost like that BYU-Texas game. It's almost like that Cincinnati-Illinois line that makes you feel like we talked about last week's sucker bet. So why is Nebraska uh-huh. favored in this game? I can tell you exactly why Nebraska's favored over UCLA. Actually, and there's going to be multiple reasons. One, it's in Nebraska, so Nebraska automatically gets three points. So the lines essentially drop to a pick em. I mean, it still says Nebraska by three, but if it's on a neutral side, it'd be a pick em. Uh, another reason, last year's game was in Pasadena. <laughs> this year's game's in Nebraska, and it's at noon. This isn't a 3.30 start where UCLA can, you know, get their feet underneath them. This is a noon start. It's 10 a.m., you know, back in Pasadena. So they're expecting a little bit of a sluggish offense from UCLA. Oh, and let's not forget, this is technically a revenge game. I mean, we're calling Bama A&M the revenge game of the weekend. But let's not forget that UCLA stunned Nebraska last year. Nebraska's going to look to return the favor this year. And Nebraska's a little PO'd because they actually fell in the rankings even though they won last week. Yeah, but it's all about that Wyoming game. That first game they played and they gave up like 600 yards or something in that amount of points. I'm with you. I know it's the time change. It's the time being a noon game, but this was a night game in Lincoln. I think it would be probably favored UCLA a little bit more. But Cuervo, mm-hmm. I'm with Johnson on that one. I, I like Nebraska to win this game in a close fashion. It doesn't mean I think Nebraska is better. I think UCLA still has the better season and is a better team. But I just think they struggle on the road in a morning game. This is like what. 10 o'clock for them in the morning playing a game. You saw what Seattle did with Carolina last week. It took them to the fourth quarter to wake up. So I, I look at this like this. Nebraska's going to win this game, Cuervo. Oh, and by the way, Tarvin, in case you didn't hear, that was my upset of the week last week. I I went with your Carolina Panthers. I'm just letting you know that now. They fumbled. They fumbled inside the 10. They would have won that game, man. I, I, I went with Carolina too, Cuervo. And how do you think I feel? I mean, I didn't put any money on it, but just my pride was on the line because Sonny was like, there's no way Seattle's losing to Carolina. I said, you watch, Sonny. I said, for some teams, traveling is a big deal, and especially with the Seahawks, not to get too much on the NFL because this is a college show. You know, Seattle's not a very good road team, so that's why I felt like – you know, I felt like Carolina really had a good shot at it, but it uh, it, it didn't happen. But um, well, you know, well, I, well Carolina back, got inside the ten and fumbled, and even if they would have just kicked the field goal, they still had like six minutes left in the game. They could have cut it to two. They still would have covered the spread, not to hit a five-team parlay. But because of that stupid fumble by Williams, uh, it just it came unraveled, man. I mean, Carolina's for the last two years have been the same way. Three years. Since Cam's been there, they've been in every game in the fourth quarter 
and they find a way to lose it. And I just don't see that changing right now unless they change head coaches, man. They have a good team, but 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 they do need more weapons on offense. I mean, he has no receivers. I'm sorry. Steve Smith has been, guys. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, poor Steve Smith. I mean, the little five I – mean, he's 5'9", let's face it. Okay? He's a little guy, and he's supposed to shoulder the whole load. I mean, that's just, that's just ain't right for him. Carolina – has been so stupid draft-wise, trading yeah. picks away a year early and things like that, that they, they handicaps the team. You know, they're not going to get a receiver for Steve this year. And, unfortunately, this could be Steve's last year because he does look spent. Um, but I just realized something. The Nebraska-UCLA game starts at noon our time, which means 11 o'clock Nebraska time, which means it's 9 a.m. Nine. Yeah, 9 a.m. UCLA time. Woo. Oh, they're going to be dead. They're going to be dead. Hey, guys, oh. a good first-half bet. If you like first-half bet, take Nebraska in the first half because oh, UCLA, yeah. if they win that game, it'll be a second-half comeback. Nebraska jumps on them early, probably 14-3. to three. And they probably may at least go up by seven at halftime, maybe. So that line's probably going to be about one or two Nebraska in the first half. Load up on Nebraska. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm I'm actually looking it for it right now, guys. And why am I not finding it? Where is? The, oh, here it is. It's actually. Yeah, I think I'm going to jump on this, guys. I what I'm looking at. I'm looking at for the first half Nebraska minus one and a half. Oh, that's easy. That's a guess from the gods. Football gods. And yeah. if you want to parlay it with the over-under, it's uh, <laughs> at 35 and a half. You got, wow, you for the first half? For the first half, the over-under is 35 and a half. I'll take under and Nebraska in that first half because I don't think UCLA's going to score a lot of points. I could be wrong, Jonathan, but I like the under no, now. I, I agree, and I look at this Nebraska-UCLA game, and I saw the over-under at 70. I'm sort of scratching my head, and I go, what makes these guys think that it's gonna, the spread's going to be 70? I mean, the, you know, the total is going to be anywhere near 70. I don't get it. And at 35.5 for the first half, I'm buying the under. I'm buying Nebraska on that spread, and I'm smiling from the gifts from Vegas because, once again, they are proving that weeks one through five – they aren't ready. They're learning just like us. This is when we're supposed to make our money so they can burn yeah. us, you know, weeks 9 through 15. Oh, yeah. That's how they get us in the back end. Hey, I, I have your lock of the week for half lines, a gift from me to you. Take West Virginia minus 24 in the first half at home against Georgia State. They, I think they'll cover the 40 for the game, 41, but uh, West Ooh. Virginia is going to out some frustrations, and they're not a good team, so they're going to score as much as they can, as often as they can. Take West Virginia in that first half against Georgia State. My gift to you guys. Really? You actually think West Virginia is going to cover 40 when they beat William and Mary by seven? Yep. Trust me, I've seen I, Georgia State. Guys. Uh, 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 <laughs> they're bad. Saying, they're yeah. bad. <laughs> I know what you're They're saying, terrible. guys. West Virginia's terrible. I know West Virginia's terrible, but so is Georgia State. And Cuervo, it's a good time to play. when you're. It's like a bully. You got some guys scared of you and they're running from you. You're going to be tougher and tougher. 
and but somebody punches it in the mouth, you fall down. Well, Georgia State doesn't have the manpower to punch West Virginia. That shows you where Georgia State is right now. Yeah, I mean, all they have is that receiver, Albert Wilson. He's a pretty solid receiver for Georgia State. Outside of him, they literally had nothing. <laughs> nothing. But I don't, I don't know how much I can trust West Virginia's quarterback. I think Charles Sims can put up, you know, some a ridiculous yardage. But can Millard actually do something positive after being pathetic the last two weeks? I don't know, but that's just my gift to y'all. Take it for what it is. Square vote for the thousand on it, okay? Yo, know, if I had a thousand dollars, Brian, I would do it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I would. I, I just, I just don't, I just don't roll like that. I don't, I don't make it rain, as they like to say. Maybe Jonathan does, but I sure don't. Yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been doing. A, I actually had a really solid Thursday night, just from. Uh, Baseball and Texas Tech. I nailed that Texas Tech game from the start. TCU should have never been favored. Nope. TCU's All right, terrible. So, so guys, for for the UCLA Nebraska game as a, as just the whole game, you're saying take Nebraska with the under, right? Minus three, under seventy. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not going under in the whole game. I'm just looking at the first half. I like Nebraska to win the game. I like the money lines. I don't like giving a lot of points, but I like Nebraska in the first half. Uh, the spread minus one and a half. I like Nebraska to win the game. So I'm scared of that point spread though, because it could be close. Okay. I mean, I, I, you know, I see exactly what you're saying. And you know, personally, if I'm looking at a three point spread, I'm considering, you know, maybe dropping the ten bucks and dropping it down to two and a half. You know. Um, one of the few times you buy down a spread is when it's right there. I mean, you buy from seven to six and a half, and you buy from three to two and a half. And you know what? When they win by three, you just sit back and smile and go, that was money well spent. Or you buy at <laughs> three and a half, and you buy at the two and a half, and it hits on three, and you win both ways. <laughs> you know, if you want to get that ballsy, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, speaking All of the right. Texas Tech game really quick, did you guys see the Texas Tech running back swap the ball before he got into the end zone? Yeah. No, I I saw the picture you posted, Jonathan, and didn't get a chance to look at it. Or was it a video picture or something like that? Yeah, I, po- I posted the link to the video last night, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, why? Why can't guys carry the ball all the way to the end zone? Why? I mean, you don't get points for celebrating. Are they forgetting this? Why is this disease? I'm calling it a disease. Why is this disease popping up in football? And what can we do to nip it in the butt before it gets worse? I don't know. Just gotta teach guys to not celebrate too soon, and and I don't think that's gonna happen though. Texas A&M, one and four all-time versus AP number one. Alabama, twenty-one and zero in conference openers. Oh damn! So who y'all like well, in the second half? In trouble. Yeah. yeah, the dog agrees, Brian. Yeah, whatever, he's, he's whatever excited. you said, the dog agrees. He's excited. I tried to mute myself real quick, but he uh, he'll surprise you out of nowhere. He'll just come up all of a sudden. 
Hold on. I just took Boise minus 11 in the second half, so I'm going to hit it both ways tonight. Ooh. You sure about that? It's only a four-point game. Well, I'm going to win both ways, or I'm guaranteed to break even. So I like the, I like the odds a little bit. Okay. All right. All right. I mean, okay. That's my thought. All right. All right, Cuervo. <laughs> Let's do it, baby. All right, hey, Vandy, South Carolina, guys. Night game uh, at South Carolina on ESPN. Uh, South Carolina loses to Georgia last week. How do they bounce back? Um, Tarvin, you want to touch on this first? Well, I, I, I think they bounced back just because they did lose. I like South Carolina in this game to cover the 13-and-a-half, whatever it is, 14 points. I think the defense of South Carolina is the reason. I don't think Vanderbilt will be able to move the ball like they did against Ole Miss. I think South Carolina wins this game by probably 17 points. I look for them to be able to run the football and overpower Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's a good little greedy team, especially when they play somebody without a defense. But at the end of the day, South Carolina is real upset that they lost that game. They're looking to redeem themselves. I like South Carolina big. All I'm going to say about it. All right. Well, here's where I kind of hedged myself. Because I thought about that, and right after I saw that spread, I was like, ooh, I'm on it. And then I stopped to go, wait a second. South Carolina coaches were fighting on the sideline after a three and out. Jadavian Clowney's frustrated with his role in the team and voiced his opinion. And then Steve Spurrier kind of gave a whole look. The, you know, it's the end of the world speech saying we'll be lucky to win six or seven games and we'll, you know, we'll be lucky to beat Vanderbilt next week. So either Steve Spurrier is trying to fool us all or he's legitimately worried about his ball club because they showed almost a lack of mental toughness last week. Well, at the same time, he showed a little bit of coaching stupidity. Um, I mean, I it you know, in a good world, without you know these, without the press conference freakouts, I think South Carolina rolls Vanderbilt. Even though last year it was seventeen thirteen, that was the open the season. But I'm kind of worried about the mentality of this football club if their head coach is already on the verge of a meltdown. Yeah, based on what you're talking about, Jonathan, I'm surprised. It's a fourteen and a half spread. I've got. I, I'm using a, a website that's got it at fourteen and a half. I would be. I'd be tempted to take the points. To be honest with you, I mean, you know, it just sounds to me like there's a lot of distractions going on at South Carolina right now. And I think if you're, if you're a fan of the of the Gamecocks, you have to be a little. You have to be at least a little bit concerned, especially when your best defensive player is talking about how he's not being utilized the right way, uh, which, I mean, he he, you know, he just needs to keep his mouth shut, but it's neither here mm-hmm. nor there. He just – it just – I don't know. It just doesn't – something don't feel right, guys. I might, I might be tempted to take Vanderbilt and take the points. Mm, I don't know. Clowney could go off this game, though, because, yeah. you know, looking at it at home – 
it's a night game, I believe, and, and he's mad now. I mean, you could tell some players like him, they get frustrated and they come out in the media the next game. They're not pouting. He knows he's a first-round draft pick, probably first overall if he doesn't screw it up. So I look for him to come out and just terrorize Vanderbilt and make South Carolina look a lot better than they really are right now. So Vanderbilt's not that good. Ole Miss, um, that game, don't let it fool you guys. Ole Miss had zero defense in that second half. Right. Um, I don't know, guys. I don't, you know, I'm just, I'm just nervous about South Carolina. And let's, I'm going to be honest, I've never had faith in Spurrier. Maybe that's just a Florida State fan in me. Uh, it could be. It could be. Cuervo, you're taking the point, right? I, I yeah, I think I think I'm taking the points if I'm if I'm putting money on this game. I'm not saying for sure. However, um, I'd be tempted to take them. I just think right now. I mean, you know, Jonathan brought up a lot of good points as far as where where I almost said Nebraska, where South Carolina is mentally, um, and I, I don't like where they are right now. So, I think I would take Vanderbilt, take the points. All right, I like I like South Carolina pretty big, so one of us is going to be wrong. That's all I can tell you. One of us is always wrong. Yeah. <laughs> all right, Cuervo, all right. take us to the take us to a take us to a game we're all going to disagree on. Okay, um, I think I can do that. Let's go to. Let me pull this because I was reading I was reading the preview of that. Vanderbilt South Carolina game. Um hmm. You know, I I'm really tempted to uh say I like Nevada because uh, they're playing some Florida State team. Uh I mean I, I you know, real quick we'll just go over because I know Jonathan is a Knowles fan. Um I'm sure you're excited to see your guy your guy uh you know come back on there, Winston. And uh, see see what kind of encore performance he can bring. But uh, how excited are Seminole fans about about this guy, Jonathan? To include yourself. Um. So it depends on which fans you talk to, because as with every fan base, Tarvin can attest to this. You have your idiots, um, and unfortunately, oh, unfortunately, yep, the dog agrees. That's a Cujo right there. That's not a Yorkie. That's a a killer. Yeah, those that, that's that's two that's two pit bulls. Uh, hold on a second. Michael Biggs in the house. <laughs> it's okay. Good girl. Okay. Um, Florida State fans as a whole. There's two factions. There's the idiots who are sitting there screaming. Jameez for Heisman, he's going to win the Heisman. Yeah, we're going undefeated, winning our championship. And I think that's a little ridiculous right now, that assessment. It's only one game. Uh, and then there's a faction with me that's sitting there going, well, I want to see what his encore performance is, how good he actually looks, well, you know, and how Florida State's going to play against Nevada. Because it's a huge spread. It's an opponent that UCLA kind of whacks. And they have a mobile quarterback in Cody Bajardo, who is actually a pretty decent quarterback for Colin Kaepernick with the school. So, yeah. if, I, 
we're, we're watching more what the defense does than the offense. We love Denise Winston. You've got to remember, guys, we had Drew Weatherford, Xavier Lee, Chris Ricks, you know, EJ Manuel, Christian Ponder, and they all showed flashes, but in all reality, they failed when it mattered most. They did. And, I mean, I don't know about you, Brian, but I kind of feel like this kid's got a certain – I mean, and, and again, it's only one game, so he may be a totally different person if Florida State struggles somehow in tomorrow's game. But it seems to me he's got a he's got this type of confidence, this type of swagger that you haven't really seen from a Florida State quarterback in a long time. I don't even think EJ Manuel came off as as a you know a guy like this. Um, and it's been a while that Florida State has had a confident quarterback like this. And again, it's only one game. But you gotta like what you've seen, what you saw out of that first game. If you're a Florida State fan, well, it's not every day you see quarterbacks that God just came down out of the sky and touched his arm and made him a, a major league baseball pitcher and a quarterback like this. You're right. I mean, he's a redshirt freshman, but he has more confidence—not just confidence, but he has poise. And he believes in himself. And you know what? Everybody on that team believes in him. And that's why Florida State's going to be dangerous if he can keep following it up. And I think he can. I just think he's – you watch him throw, I don't care who it's against. I mean, the throws he was making, he was right on the money. One of his incompletions out of two wasn't even an incompletion, in my opinion. He's just good. I mean, he's just rare. You don't see quarterbacks like that much. I mean, Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, quarterbacks like that, they're just blessed. And this kid is one of them. I'm a big believer in Winston. I wasn't a huge believer before the season. I wanted him to prove it. But I know it's Pittsburgh, but it was on the road. And just the way he looked and the way his team rallied around him, Florida State kicked it up into a new gear once he hit his stride early. You know, they went down 7 to nothing, and Winston took over. Florida State's defense started playing better because of Winston. Their offensive line played better because they didn't want him to get touched. He just makes everybody around him better, and I'm excited to see what Florida State can do. Yeah, I am too. I am too, guys. And, I mean – you know, going up against Nevada, like you know, like like Jonathan was saying, I mean, this is a squad that has had some people in the past uh, come out of you know, you know, Kaepernick. That's all you have to say. It's Colin Kaepernick. So, um, what do you think defensively, Jonathan? Florida State has to do to uh, you know for for this game to go their way. What are some keys to the Knowles defense? Um, defensively, what we're going to need to do is we're going to need to make sure that uh, we don't let Cody Fajardo um, get out there and, you know, kind of do what we see mobile quarterbacks doing with take over the legs and open up the passing lanes. We cannot allow that. And our defense last week was very suspect early in the game, but it showed in the secondary that we have matured, but we have a lack of a pass rush. Now, a lot of people are telling me, Alabama didn't really have much of a pass rush in their front four, so don't worry about it. Well, Alabama didn't have a front four that consisted of, you know, three of the top, you know, high school recruits in the nation from the recruiting class. Uh, they were getting four stars, don't get me wrong, but they weren't getting a top three player in a class. All right, Mario Edwards Jr. was the number one player in his class. Eddie Golson was the number two player in his class behind Mario Edwards Jr. Okay, these are guys that are five-star plus guys. They need to start getting a pass rush on them. And we need to show that. 
but I'm not worried about our back seven. Our back seven looks fantastic. Uh, we just need to make sure we can corral him and not let him take over with his legs. Make him throw. We don't have a running game beyond him. Make him have to throw the football. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you're right. Make him throw the football and, you know, Tarvin, I, th- I think I think Florida State, honestly, they I don't think they really have much of a problem. Uh, I think Florida State wins big. Uh, what's the what's the spread on it? Uh, Thirty four. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't I don't know if they covered or not, guys. I, it doesn't matter as long as Weston plays good. He doesn't turn the ball over. Florida State is known to in the past to not cover these games, but you have to remember Winston's the quarterback now. It's not the same Florida State type mentality, so. I don't know. I'm staying away from this one. I'm staying away from it. Well, and to bring up another note for Florida State that I think will intrigue you, Tarvin, and even uh, you, Cuervo, Jacob Coker, our backup quarterback. He's a redshirt sophomore. He's a pretty good quarterback. I mean, he's about 6'5", 240 pounds, and he's mobile. He's very accurate. I mean, the reason why our quarterback battle went so deep because we had two really good quarterbacks. Rumors coming out that Coker's transferring to Alabama at the end of this season. Now, I don't know how true that's going to be, but I think if he doesn't wind up at Alabama, he could wind up at an Auburn or a Tennessee or a Georgia, a school like that. And that's why we need to keep an eye on what Coker does, because I would love to keep him just for security if Winston does go down, but he's too good to be a backup. Hey, we'll take him in Tennessee, man. Uh, I mean, I, I like Worley, uh, but if if this Coker kid is, is as good as you say he is, then uh, maybe maybe I like him. Well, I mean, th- as soon as you said six five, my eyes lit up. I was like, okay, that's 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 really good. <laughs> I mean, six five is is a good size for a quarterback. So, um, yeah, I mean, shit, let him transfer to Tennessee. Yeah, we'll we'll take him. Oh, and he runs I'll about take four seven nine. I'll take him at Auburn, no doubt. Six five two forty, a four seven nine, a four eight forty yard dash. That sounds like a, a pretty solid quarterback. To think that he's the back of the Florida State, you know. And, and this is what I was worried about when I first heard this situation, the court battle that we had. The first thought in my head was Drew Weatherford, Xavier Lake. I don't know if you guys remember. But they were like the number three and the number four quarterback in their class, their recruiting class. And there was a real battle between the two of them. And Weatherford won, and then we all know how Weatherford and Lee, how they all just done it. They're actually both playing arena football. Weatherford's a backup quarterback in arena football. Xavier Lee is a a wide receiver, a back wide receiver. So, obviously, their careers didn't pan out, and I think these two are better than that. But, you know, that's one thing to keep your eye on is how, where Jacob Coker goes and how this affects our recruiting and then y'all's recruiting. Because if he goes to Bama, that, that's big. But if he goes to Auburn or he goes to Tennessee, that's one less guy you have to recruit. Yeah, but he still has to set out a year, though. So if he was smart, he would have just transferred before the season started, set out this season, and he would have been more of a benefit to Alabama or somebody. But I think Auburn's quarterback future set with Jeremy Johnson. Uh, they're probably going to redshirt him. He's about the same size as Coker, and Marshall's got another year after this one. 
So I don't think he'll go to Auburn right now. They don't want to discourage that young kid they have, Jeremy Johnson. So I can see him going to Georgia, though, or Alabama, or possibly Tennessee. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, I mean, uh, Aaron Murray's about to leave Georgia, and McCarron's about to be gone from Alabama. So I think it makes it, it makes all the sense in the world, to be honest. And he's from, he's from Mobile. So, I mean, he's literally right there in the recruiting hotbed of the SEC. That was one of those guys that Craig got from us. Yep. I mean, exactly. That's one of those guys Damian Craig was able to get us. He was a three-star out of high school. And then we have another kid, believe it or not, we got from New Jersey who's a four-star that they're saying is like Weatherford. Well, that worries me. But anyways, let's, uh, let's move on. Yeah. Yeah. We'll go ahead and move on, guys. Uh, I think we're all in agreement on this one. Um, and I'm trying to find a game that we all don't agree on, but it's just not quite working out. Um, or, we, have to, we, we, we have 15 minutes left, so you might want to go to the Alabama game. So that's probably the one that's, that's remaining we haven't talked about. Do you see another one out there? Uh, no, I mean, I was just going to touch on Ohio State versus Cal real quick. Cal's not yeah. what they used to be. And uh, anybody heard if Braxton Miller's coming back for this game, or, or are they going to have to stick with their backup? I heard oh, he played. I heard he was here today. He's still not cleared to play. So it's going to be okay. on uh, the backup Guyton, or Guyton, or Geaton, or how, I don't even know how to pronounce <laughs> his last name. But um, I, So I guess that's that's so – so Miller's not playing then. Yeah, I mean, they're saying game-time decision. He's not cleared to play. A lot of people are saying, well, if he's not cleared, sit him. Yeah, I mean, you can't risk it. If you're Urban Meyer, don't risk losing your quarterback, um, you know, for longer than you need to. So, um, Yeah, but if you lose him, though, if, if you lose that game against Cal, and I think without Braxton, they easily could, their season's over. Oh, yeah. And, and I, that's what I was just about to say. I think without Miller, I think this game becomes really interesting, guys. I mean, uh, as of right now, the, the, it's it's a 15-point spread. I, I, I would say take Cal. Do you guys agree with that? Oh, that's tough. With, with Miller, I'd take Ohio State. But without him, I would probably – Cal's pretty bad, though, guys. I, I mean, I'm going to take Ohio yeah. State either way. Either way, I'm going to take Ohio State. Yeah. yeah. Personally, I'm staying away from it. I just want to see if anybody yeah. else was going to buy on it. So, but nobody bit. That's okay though. Um, let's just, <laughs> let's just go to the you know the game of games, guys. Um, Texas A&M Alabama. Uh, when you look at this one, I mean, let's. I mean, how much? How much? I'm not going to ask if. Revenge is on Alabama's mind, but how much is revenge on their mind, in your opinion, guys? Jonathan, I'll start off with you. I think it's everything in this game. I, I mean, you know, we all heard the stories about Saban with the Texas towels and the Texas A&M game on full loop, and you know the decals in the weight room. And I mean, I, this is why I think Alabama is going to demolish, demolish, and. Is because Saban's pounded that whole it's revenge in their head 
And even I don't care what what they're saying in the media because that's a Nick Saban uh, right there saying, oh no, it's not revenge. Just like the LSU game, the national championship. Oh, it's not revenge. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I mean, you can say it doesn't mean it's true. Yeah, and then they went out and they only beat them twenty-one nothing in the national title game, right? I mean, no, but there was no revenge involved. No, of course not. I mean, that's why this game. I had two games uh, that I, you know, two spreads that I, I have five stars on. I have Maryland, and I have, uh, and I have this game. I have Alabama. Those are my two five-star games of the week, where I think both those teams cover, and I think both those teams just demolish uh, their opponents. And and another, I mean, it's revenge, but also if one person, any person hates the spread and they hate what Johnny Manziel stands for, it's Nick Saban. Nick Saban's everything against Johnny Manziel. He lost that game at home in front of his fans. He won a championship, but it still wasn't satisfying enough to Nick Saban because Alabama didn't go undefeated. And and they got embarrassed, really. There were two touchdown favorites, 15 points over A&M that game and they lost. Look, when Saban has a year to prepare for you, and that's exactly what they started preparing for as soon as that Notre Dame game finished, I'm telling you, Nick Saban's unbeatable. This team's going to, I mean, they're not going to say it in the media's revenge, but it is. But this is a business trip for Nick Saban. Anything less than a, a three-touchdown win would be surprising to me. I, I like Alabama big in this game. Oh, yeah. Uh, the tide's going to roll tomorrow, in my opinion, too, guys. And I don't think it's going to be close. There's no way. I agree. And AJ McCarron's going to light up that A and M defense tomorrow. I think. I, I, how does Johnny Manziel react when Alabama's got his number and he's getting frustrated and they're trash talking him? How do you think he reacts? Does he blow his lid and get personal fouls or get ejected from yep. the game possibly? Yep. Yep. That's exactly what he's going to do because he's a dumbass and he doesn't know how to conduct himself whether he's on the field or whether he's off he's going to lose his composure once again and it's all we're going to talk about come Sunday into the week is how you know Johnny Manziel once again embarrassed himself on the field um and and then after the game uh you know Kevin Sumlin uh is going to be like oh he's not uh he's not available for questioning or he's not He's not available for, you know, he has no comment. And it's like, well, how do you know? And, and I think that's I think that's what it's going to be. I really do. Uh, and how is Johnny Manziel going to react to uh, ESPN publishing a photo that shows him signing images for that autograph broker, Drew Timian, uh, Timon, who that was the what the whole, you know, debacle was over when it came down to the, you know, the autograph signing. ESPN published a photo today that clearly shows Drew Timon and Johnny Manziel in the same photo with Manziel signing and Timon sitting over his shoulder, just, you know, with, with a stack of photographs where the looks of it just off, you know, from the camera. You know, they only got about half of them, and he's, it looks like he's about to shuffle my new photo. I mean, how how is... How is he going to be able to, you know, how is Texas A&M going to be distracted by that? Because it's clear Alabama is not distracted by this whole DJ Fluker incident. They're not. And, I, no. and, and, you know, I think as messed up as it sounds, guys, I think it's kind of one of those things where, like, well, 
Is DJ Fluker on our team anymore? No? Okay, well, we're not worried about it then. Let's go out there and we'll play. We have a football game to play tomorrow, and maybe that's a bad sign because you're kind of uh, you know avoiding the truth behind what's going on with Fluker. But at the same time, you, you can't blame Nick Saban because, you know, the, the focus has to be on this game tomorrow because if you lose this game, then – you know, who knows if you have the opportunity to get back in the national title game. I mean, Alabama got very fortunate, if you guys remember, last year to get back up to number two to play for the national championship. I mean, to have, you know, K-State lose the way they did and to have, uh, I'm trying to remember who else lost, but, you know, there were some other Oregon. teams out there. Yeah, Oregon. For Oregon to lose to Stanford, I mean, it wasn't a shocker, but at the same time, I guarantee you there wasn't a lot of people out there that really, truly felt that Stanford was going to win that football game. And, you know, those, just those two games alone, Alabama was like, you know, somebody was watching us. The, you know, the, the, the college football gods were, were watching oh. over us, and they were like, here you go, here you go, Alabama, go defend that crown. And that's that's the way it happened, so... If Alabama doesn't focus and they lose this game, there's no guarantee, guys, that the, that that scenario will play out again. Yeah, because I don't see Oregon losing a game this year, and and it looks like you never know Ohio State with their schedule. But hey, it's Alabama. The year Auburn went undefeated. I mean, God, 2004, nobody would lose. One and two stayed the same the entire season. How lucky can you get? Or unlucky can you get? Mm-hmm. Alabama has top, two of the top teams in the country choke, and they were double-digit favorites in both of those, I believe. So, no, not double digits, but touchdown favorites in those games. But this is it. If Alabama doesn't win this game, guys, I just don't think they make it back. I mean, I, I think that they're going to put them down a little bit, and I don't think it'll be the only game Alabama loses if they lose this game because this is not the same Alabama team as last year. Like Saban said, they're trying to create their own identity now. They don't know who they are yet. They look bad against Virginia Tech. They covered the spread with ease. That's saying something when you look like crap and you still win by 30 points almost. So, uh, Texas A&M ends in for a, a butt-kicking, guys. I'm telling you. I'll, I'll be pulling for A&M uh, as the Auburn fan I am, but at the end of the day, there's no way Johnny Menzel, with all the crap he's been going through, is going to be able to beat Nick Saban. If he does, Hats off to him. I want to put him up in my top five of Heisman Trophy winners again, probably, but I just don't think he can do it. I think the line right now is nine. Does that sound about right? Um, No, the line, I don't think it moved back up that high. Uh, last I time I saw it was like, last time I saw it was seven and a half. I have it at nine right now. I'm looking at it. Um, but 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 eight and a half. Yeah, I mean the line's gone up. I mean because I watched the line. It opened at seven, got up to nine, went back down to seven and a half, and is now back up to eight and a half. This line's fluctuated like nobody's business, and the 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 total stayed the same. I mean sixty sixty and a half. There's no difference, you know. Yeah, it's going to be a high-scoring game, but I don't think it's going to be Texas A&M scoring. I think it's going to be Alabama putting up 40 on them. Oh, yeah. 
Maryland, by the way, guys, is a seven-point favorite over Connecticut. I know Jonathan, I extended the show a little bit, Cuervo, so don't feel rushed. Yay. So, did we lose yeah. Cuervo? Did we? I, I'm here, guys. Oh, okay, yay. Okay, good. I, was, I, was, I, know, I know we've had some trouble in the past with our studio, so that's why I was checking to make sure you're still here. No, I'm here, guys. Uh, what I was saying is, uh, you know, I've heard I've heard some ridiculous things being said, but I think the most ridiculous thing this week that I've heard is, if some way somehow Anum wins this game, that Johnny Manziel could be considered one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time. Oh, Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me right now? Too early. Way yeah. too early. But just because he, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a, yeah, he beat Alabama. That's it, Cuervo. That's all. You can't judge a, a career with one game or even two games. I mean, gosh. And I'm gonna tell you who said this. This this may surprise you. Well, then again, it may not because they they're not really big on college football. But it was it was on Mike and Mike ESPN Radio. You know the the so-called experts that came out and they they. They brought up the argument that should he be considered one of the greatest college quarterbacks ever? I was like, you can't be serious right now. I had to change. I had to change the station. I couldn't even listen to it. It was so. It was such a ridiculous comment to make. Two football games, and and you want to call him one of the greatest ever? No, no, sir. Build yourself yep. a good resume, and 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 above all that, stay out of damn trouble. You know, mm-hmm. stop making yourself look like an idiot is is probably the better way to say it instead of just staying out of trouble. Stop looking like a jackass. And I don't know. I, just, I couldn't believe it. I just could not believe that I actually heard those words come out of anybody's mouth. Couldn't believe it. Well, Cuervo, I mean, I've seen this story, and, and I, I think, you know, it started good. He got his Heisman. But if you can see the off season up to now, this is the game where the wheels finally come off of Texas A&M. Someone's exhausted. He doesn't know what to do. He's lost control. He can't even control this guy. But Alabama will beat the brakes off these guys. And then you have SMU and at Arkansas, at Ole Miss, Auburn, Vanderbilt, Mississippi State, at LSU, at Missouri. If they lose this game and they get blown out like we think they're going to, they're going to lose two or three more games. I mean, the wheels will come off on this team. Um, mm-hmm. I, I, I just, I just—that's the ending I'm seeing right now. Johnny Menzel will go down as a forgotten quarterback in the next few years. He's, after Alabama gets through with him, no matter how he performs the rest of the year, he's done. And I think Alabama is going to end his career tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think you might be right. I think you might be onto something. Uh, Brian, but I, I think for both teams um, equally, they just they want to they want to play this game and they want to get it over with so they can move on with their with their seasons and people stop talking about it. I mean, that, that's that's how I feel about this game too. It's just kind of one of those where it's going to be exciting to watch at the same time for especially for the head coaches Saban and Sumlin. When it's over, they're going to be like, oh, thank God this game is done. 
you know, mm-hmm. we can talk about it for a little while, but man, we can finally move on now with with our season and focus on uh, whoever we're playing next. And and I really feel that way, especially for the head coaches. Yeah, it's over for Johnny Manziel, guys. This is it started. You know, it's been a good ride for him. I guess he it started with Bama. He won the Heisman. And now it comes to a crashing halt at home in front of his entire home state, all of his fans. Alabama punches him in the mouth. And last year, if you watched that game, guys, you saw Alabama had his number in that second half. He just pops out of places sometimes, and they will not forget to wrap up and take care of business. That was uncharacteristic of a Nick Saban coach defense, and he just pops mm-hmm. out of nowhere. Several, Two of those touchdowns were, were sacks, I believe, that shouldn't even have happened. But if you can't, here's the deal. If you watch Rice and Sam Houston State, Texas A&M's rushing defense, and granted, they get a few back, they're five yards downfield past the line of scrimmage before they're even getting contact made. So if Rice and Sam Houston State are running like that on you, what do you think Alabama's going to do? I mean, that's just what I'm thinking about. The rushing attack and the physicality. I mean, I don't know, guys. This would it shock you if Texas a and won this game, Jonathan or Cuervo? Yes. Cuervo, would you be shocked if, if A&M pulled this off? Yeah, I would, actually. I would actually be really shocked because I just don't, I just don't think they have, you know, I just don't think they, they – it's not that they don't have – the talent or they don't have the people to to win this game. Obviously, they do have some good talent. I, I just don't think they they don't know what they're getting themselves into. I mean, this is this is a Alabama team that as we've mentioned, all they're thinking about is revenge. And this this team is is 100% focused and I'm scared for A&M, to be honest, guys. I, I'm scared for A&M because, I mean, they they have the, the – it's like Alabama's got the the the, this, the death stare, and they're, they're staring right in A&M's face. And it's kind of like when you see someone like that, like in a dark alley, and you're like, oh, crap. And, you know, you fear for your life. And I think that's, that's what it's going to be for A&M is – they're not going to know what hit them. I really don't think they will. And they're not going to be ready for it. It's going to be ugly. It's going to be ugly who's this, early. Who's this, who's this in the chat room, Sports Gods Radio? Who is that? Cuervo, do you know them? No, I sure don't. They're wanting, uh, on. they're wanting on the show right now. Let me just see if they're in the studio right now. Yeah, let's let's bring this on and and uh, let's be careful. Anybody uses language on this show, we don't use profanity. So let me bring them on. Six two six on campus with Cuervo. Where are you from? What's up, guys? I'm Jake in Los Angeles, and I gotta tell you guys, look, straight up, this isn't the end of Manziel. And second of all, you guys could sit there as much as you want and say. Alabama's going to lose this. I mean, Alabama's just going to kill him. Alabama's just going to kill him. Why? You haven't made any good points to why. You haven't said why Johnny Manziel isn't a great quarterback. He is. In fact, he's the best quarterback 
in college football. I'm not a homer. I don't like the way the guy acts off the field. But I can sit here and tell you that he is the best quarterback in football, no doubt. And he showed it last year, and he wasn't made of two games. You've watched what he's done this year. The kid's awesome. He goes out there, he plays hard, lowers his shoulder, and he takes out people. He's not scared, and that's what's awesome about him. And this is a guy who will last. And you can say NFL teams aren't going to like him. NFL teams like scrappers, and that's who Giant Benzel is. And he scraps by. He's a short dude, and he's a guy who will sling the ball. He beat Alabama last year, and he could do it very well again this year. Yeah, I mean, Jake, is, is, is Jake your name you said? Yes, my name's Jake. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I mean, when I, the points I make is, is when I look at Alabama, I look at this game's about Nick Saban looking at his his career and what he's done coming off five weeks and and what he does when he when has a revenge game when you beat Nick Saban what he does and looking at A and M in my opinion they're not the same team that they were last year and and now you add all of these issues that 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 was caused by him in the off season. Well, uh, what were the issues? It, has it affected him on the field? Because I haven't seen it yet. The Rice game. Wait. Listen to right. Yeah. Go watch the film on the Rice game. Go watch that and tell me that his 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 you know his antics on the field. Honestly, with a straight face, tell me his antics on the field did not affect that team and what they were doing. Because I'm pretty sure when you start getting penalties for a sportsman like Honda, you start running your mouth to defender, you start uh, you know that that becomes an issue. He cannot do that against hold Alabama. On. And hold I on, understand he went up Rice and San Houston State. How many people do you see? In a game, you see players all the time talking crap to each other. It happens all the time. You know why we knew Johnny Manziel did it? Because he's on camera. You know, uh, ESPN wants to make an ESP, uh, uh, Johnny Manziel cam that follows him everywhere. People do this all the time, and you're going to tell me that Johnny Manziel, uh, you know, is the only person in the whole league. You'll see this every single game. Turn on one game tomorrow. I don't care if it's, you know, whatever school out there. You're going to see people out there doing the same antics that Johnny Manziel did because Johnny Manziel's on TV. It's like Tebow. It's like Tebow. People do stuff like Tebow all the time. It's because we want to focus on it. We want to see it on TV. That's why we see it all the time. But the difference is Manziel already has a negative perception. He 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 should know better than to draw any negative attention to himself. And that's the problem is he's not showing uh, any maturity at all whatsoever. And has it affected his game? Has it affected Johnny Manziel as a football player? You can talk about the whole life thing. There's the, let's face it, there's a bunch of terrible people out there in the world, terrible people who are yep. tremendous athletes and are awesome. Um, you know, and they're, they're fine. Aaron Hernandez has been killing people for years. He played great in the NFL. So, <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think personality or anything like that really affects how someone plays, especially Johnny Manziel. Well, uh, I'll, I'll tell you this. Last year, he caught, to me, he caught lightning in a bottle, and, and he came out of nowhere. He did a phenomenal job, easily the Heisman winner, no doubt about it. But I think now, after this year, in order to beat Nick Saban in Alabama, he's going to have to show have a level of maturity. And, he, and in my mind, he took a step back, and leadership's everything in college football. And I think, honestly, I don't know what you think. You might know Texas. You you know him better than I do. What does his team think about him? What do the players think about all this negative publicity? 
How is that going to well, affect I, them when the tough tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. That game, how is it going to affect the leadership? I mean, are the players, are they going to play hard for him to protect him? Well, here's the thing. I'm not a Texas A&M fan. Uh, I, to tell you the truth, I couldn't name one other player other than, than uh, John Mantell on the team. But all I know is what he's done last year. And, look, you know, I'm not saying, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, they're going to win tomorrow because, uh, you know, I don't think they will. I think Alabama will win the game. But I'm just throwing it out there that, you know, you guys are putting John Manziel down. Say John Manziel is going to be done for the rest of his, you know, career. And I think this is just the beginning of John Manziel. And I do agree. I think John Manziel, uh, you know, if he keeps doing this, it, it could affect him over time. Or he could get mature and, and get over it. I mean, it's, it's something like Matt Liner. Matt Liner was the same way. Um, and, you know, was never a great NFL quarterback because of it. And that could be the same with John Manziel. Um but, but you, you know, you never know. So I, I do think Alabama will win tomorrow, but I wouldn't put it past Texas A&M. I mean, I, I, I'd be slightly surprised to see Texas A&M do it. But at the same time, I, I don't put it out of the reach. I don't think it's impossible. I think there's a good chance it actually could happen. Well, right. the, the reason well, we say Alabama's going to win is because of A&M's lack of um, – defense when it comes to stopping the run. We saw Sam Houston State right pile up yards rushing on A&M's defense, and Alabama's forte is running the ball. I mean, let's face it, you know, McCarron might think he's a throwing quarterback, but he's really not. This is a running offense. McCarron is just a placeholder. He's a Trent Dilfer. Is he more talented? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say McCarron's a talented quarterback, but he's not there to throw the football. He's there to hand off the ball 40 times a game, and A&M can't stop the run. They're already depleted in their front seven. And that's why Alabama has the edge and why we think Alabama's going to run away with it because Alabama's defense is much tougher and they already have game film Menzel. Right, last year they didn't have his game film. He was brand new. This is why Jameis Winston for Florida State, everybody's like, well, he's a new quarterback. Well, guess what? Next year Winston probably won't have the same success he's going to have this year. Yeah, and I agree with that. I agree with that a lot. And, you know, it's not, I, I think Alabama is a better team. Alabama was a better team last year. Uh, Alabama is a good team this year, but when you have somebody as electrifying as Johnny Manziel, and, and that, that's what Johnny Manziel is, he's electrifying because that dude, he'll run all over, and, and he's really a very, very special uh, a football talent. He's unique, and, um, you know, Texas saying that, I mean, uh, Alabama saw him last year, and Alabama might know, you know, Alabama does know. Okay, no one's no one's saving, and and that that's the reason why Manziel's behind. And even if man, but but my point is, if Manziel does lose this game, it's not the end of Manziel. Manziel's playing for Texas A&M at the end of the day, and he's playing the best team in college football by far. Who's been the best team for a couple of years now, and you know, you know, it's last year was a definite underdog win, and it got him the attention uh, that I believe he deserves. Uh, he did beat them last year, and, and I don't think it was a fluke. I think it was. They didn't know who Johnny Manziel was, and it may be very different this year. All right. Well, Jake, I appreciate the call, bud. Thanks for the uh, the insight and giving us some facts, and, and good luck tomorrow, and thanks for the call. That was a great call, guys. And uh, Cuervo, we're about to wrap it up, so wrap it up with your, your final thoughts here and, and a great show tonight. Yeah, it was it was a great show, and I appreciate uh, you know everybody joining us. I appreciate Jake uh, keeping it clean, you know, keeping it clean, and 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 not uh, you know trying to 
throw us off of our show. Um, but, uh, yeah, college football is one of the greatest sports. So, um, you know, if A&M wins, hey, it's not the worst thing in the world, guys, but that's what makes this sport so great is, is sometimes the unknown will surprise you. And I think just the, my, my, my thought is, is simple. Enjoy the football because, um, you know, you, you don't very often get games like this that people talk so much about, and there's so much attention and there's so many headlines and there's so much, there's so much at stake. I mean, we could talk about Manziel, we could talk about the coaches all we want, but at the end of the day, guys, this is the number one team against the number six team in the nation. And I think we, you know, we just need to enjoy it. So enjoy enjoy the games tomorrow. I really hope Tennessee has some sort of a shot against Oregon. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I'll be watching. So uh, everybody just enjoy, enjoy the games tomorrow. I hope everybody's team wins. And... Um, you know, it, it should be a great day of college football. Uh, also, something not football-related, um, I don't know if you guys are interested or not, but I will be watching the Floyd Mayweather-Canelo uh, Alvarez fight tomorrow. I am a boxing oh, yeah. fan. So, anybody have any thoughts on the fight? No, not really. Hey. It's gonna, it ought to be a great fight. I mean, we're talking about one of the best fighters of all time and Floyd Mayweather against somebody who was an up-and-coming fighter in Alvarez and could very well, you know, be ready to take over Mayweather's reign. I mean, we've got to understand, Alvarez is 40, has 42 wins, zero losses, and one draw. Mayweather has, what, 44 wins and zero losses, zero draws. This is going to be one of the best fights we're probably going to see in a while. Uh, I expect Mayweather, who has the edge defensively, to kind of get his jabs in as he has probably the quickest hands I've ever seen. Alvarez is going to try and slug it out, but his defense is weak. So if he gets knocked out, do not be surprised. Alvarez is a knockout king, though. That's his specialty, is is getting that one power punch, that one strong cross on him. That's something to look out for, how he tries to work that right hand in with the jab. Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean... You know, I, 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 when I, when I was, and I was talking about it earlier when I was at work. I think the the biggest mistake, Jonathan, that I think guys make when they fight Floyd Mayweather is they just want to go to town on him right from the start. Mm-hmm. And Floyd is just like, all right, give me what you got. Go ahead, go for it. And he lets he lets his opponent wear himself down, and then come second or third round, that's when you see Mayweather just. You know, just starts, you know, little by little, wearing his opponent down. And, you know, before you know it, um, the the other guy just doesn't have a chance. And and it looks like Floyd just dominates the fight. But what it really comes down to is, you know, these guys, they try to go for the kill every time they fight Floyd Mayweather. You have to be patient. When you fight Floyd, you have to be patient. So if Canelo Alvarez, as long as he's patient – and he finds, you know, the, the open, the, the soft spots in, in Mayweather, which there's not many. But just you have to be a counterpuncher. To beat Floyd Mayweather, you got to be a counterpuncher. It's okay to be a power puncher, but you have to learn to be patient and be smart and, you know, counter what Floyd Mayweather does because that's the only chance you really have. I agree. I mean, Mayweather's probably, you know, going to sit back the first three rounds and let Alvarez do his thing. 
And Mayweather is going to dominate rounds four through nine, like he always does. Um, yeah, it's going to be a great fight. But I, I think about this for a second. Vegas has said they've recorded $33 million in bets on this fight, including multiple six-figure bets. In the Alabama A&M game, $5 million. Think about those numbers right now. I mean, it, that's just insane in my mind, the amount of money that's being moved just in these events. They're calling this one of the greatest betting weekends for Vegas, in Vegas history with the amount of money that's being moved around. Well, sure. I mean, I mean, because this is this is the fight that you know because whatever reason Pacquiao didn't they they couldn't come to terms. So, and I and I applaud I applaud boxing, Jonathan, for moving on instead of continuing to try to force a Pacquiao Mayweather fight. They said, you know what, we're just going to move on. And I applaud boxing for that because you can only try so hard, you can only try so many times to get that fight before you realize it's just not going to work. So I really applaud, you know, boxing for for finding a way to make this fight happen, and I think it's going to be a good one. And, uh, you, you know, this, this like you said, this fight is projected to really to break some break pay-per-view records. Uh, for those who don't know, Lloyd's going to make over $40 million in, on this fight. Canelo's going to make half of that. Well, and, and everybody's like, well, that's messed up. But when you really think about it, this is a pretty good payday for Canelo, too. This is probably the most he's ever made in a fight. So, well, he's got he's to earn that prestige before he can make $40 million bucks. Well, the thing is, Mayweather has already made $41 million off this fight. That's how much he's getting paid just to show up. They haven't even talked about the pay-per-view uh, and the winning purse. It's, he got $41 million just for signing the contract saying he's going to get to this fight. Just to agree to it? Yeah. Sheesh. Wow. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, I have, I have a couple of quick, I have a couple quick stats on the Alabama game. I think you're going to find interesting. Saban seven and one in revenge games since he joined Alabama. The one revenge loss he had at Alabama was a T-bone Florida. He's fifteen and two overall since if you combine LSU and Alabama. Alabama has won twenty one straight conference openers, and during the three championship runs for Alabama, none of their losses were on the road. Every loss in those championship runs was at home, which is to, you know, LSU and A&M. Because I believe, yeah, the first year with Mark Ingram in '09, they went undefeated. So think about that for a second. How dominant they've been. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, domination, man. It, Alabama, Alabama is a dominant team right now, and it, I just don't see anybody derailing them right now. Especially not, not a Texas A&M. I mean. You know, the caller, Jake, what was his name? Was it Jake that called just a minute yeah. ago? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I think he's a little too much passionate about Johnny Manziel. But you got to remember, Johnny Manziel is one guy. One guy is it's not going to usually beat Nick Saban now, especially in a revenge game. So that, that's all we're saying. No, no, not any disrespect towards him at all in his opinion, but our opinion is Nick Saban's just – a great coach, and, and he has a great team. It's not like he has three-star players and a great coach. He's a great coach with five-star mm-hmm. athletes everywhere. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked if Alabama lost that game. 
Oh, yeah, and let's not, you know, forget that A&M lost their left tackle and Luke Jokel, and they lost Mandel's security blanket at receiver and Ryan Swope, who was on the receiving end of a lot of those clutch receptions in Alabama game a year ago. I mean, who's going to step up and take his place? Yeah. Well, guys, anything else before we go? Go Knowles. Yeah, go Big War Orange. Eagle. War Eagle. And go go Aggies tomorrow, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I, you know, honestly, I mean, if, if A&M wins, A&M wins. I, I'm not going to lose no. any sleep over it, to be no. honest with you. Um, I, mean, I don't it, want them it, to win. It's it's one against six, guys, like I said. So it's going to be a good game. There's a lot of talent on the field on both sides, you know, A&M and Alabama. I just mm-hmm. I think we're all in agreement, though, that, um, you know, revenge is definitely on Alabama's mind. And, and, and when it is, uh, as, as Jonathan just pointed, just pointed out, out of eight times, they won seven of them. So... I mean, the, the, it just doesn't – it's not – the odds are not in A&M's favor is what it's coming down to. We're not Manziel haters. We're just simply telling it how it is. The, uh, it doesn't look good for A&M, period. Yeah. Well, I, no. I, my team's ranked number 10. So if A&M loses, I, I, you know, and we beat Nevada, we're, we should probably gain at least one spot. I mean, A&M's got to drop a little bit. Oh, they will. Definitely they'll be dropping probably out of the top 15 if they do. If Alabama does to them what we think they're going to do to them, I think the pollsters will be ready after those first two performances they had this year to drop them Mm -hmm. out down a little bit more because, you know, you can't drop them right now because you can't drop them before Alabama comes into town. It would lose its appeal. So if Alabama beats them by three touchdowns, A&M's going to fall out of the top 15. So somebody else will move up. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited. Right. I just can't hide it. Well, all right, guys. I've had fun tonight, and thanks for, for doing the show with us, Cuervo and Jonathan. Cuervo, thanks for hosting mm-hmm. it for us. Well, you know, uh, Brian, I mean, I appreciate you letting me borrow your channel. Uh, like I said, Sonny is actually, right as we speak, he's doing a high school football game, so he's got his thing going on, but... Um, I don't know if you guys are going to be joining uh, Sports Talk with the guys or if you're going to be joining Sonny tomorrow. Um, but um, just to let you guys know, if anybody asks for me, I, I won't be available. I, this is the one Saturday that I have to work in the morning, mm-hmm. so I will not be available. However, I will do whatever it takes to make sure that I'm home in time for the Tennessee-Oregon game. So, um, you know, just, just letting you guys know that, that you won't be hearing from me tomorrow morning. Oh, you want to hear from me? I don't know. I'll be at work. I won't even get to watch the Florida State game. Yeah, I'll be busy all morning too, getting ready for the yeah, Jonathan, you, games and everything. You work at a you work at a, a bar though, Jonathan. I'm sure they're going to have the game on. Well, the problem is we only have one working TV. Do you watch Florida State Nevada or do you watch Alabama A and M? Well, what time does the Florida State game start? They're both at three thirty. Oh, okay. That's that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And it's on CBS, right? So tomorrow we'll get the first SEC on CBS game. Because I don't think there mm-hmm. was one last week, right? No, there was not. No. Okay. Well, it was South so Carolina, we'll Georgia, wasn't it? 
Or was that a that was on ESPN? Okay, okay. All right, guys. Well, y'all have a great yeah, weekend. For me. And... Yep. You too, guys. Um, we will we'll see you Sunday night, right, Logan? Yeah, and uh, also Sunday, what is it? Uh, that being said, wherever it's funny, break down the NFL in the morning and then Sunday night at 9 p.m. Eastern. We're going to have weigh-in sports talk. We're going to have a fun show. And I'm sure Sonny and Cuervo show is going to be fun as well. So, guys, have a great weekend, and we'll see you Sunday, and we'll talk about all these games. Oh, yeah. You do the, you do the same, Brian. Jonathan. Thank all right. All right. Good night, guys.